I saw an undiscovered creature climbing on the mountainside. Welcome everyone to All About All Elite for the week of May 4th, 2019. While WWE was busy building that return to Saudi Arabia, Miss Fan and I were watching NWA Crockett Cup. We were watching Cody's rebuttal to his brother and the many, many rumors that are coming out right now because we are now in the month that houses double or nothing. It has been a long journey to get here, but the floodgates are bursting open and we have a lot to talk about today, ladies and gentlemen. I am the LOP Mystic, a.k.a. your one-man hype band, and I am joined by my friend and co-host, by God, my learned colleague, Mr. Mizfan, the brain. Greetings, Ms. Fan fans. Welcome indeed back to another All About All Elite. We do have the Crocky Cup. We do have Double or Nothing News. We have, God be praised, MLW Fusion, the Legacy Series, coming back this week. God willing, God help us. Oh, God. All right. Uh, let's get right into it, my friend. Where should we begin? We will absolutely get to uh, MLW Fusion the Legacy series. I promise you today. I looked at my notes and almost could not remember the show and thought it's time to do. <laughs> it's a twenty thousand dollar bounty episode. Ooh. I hope. Is that yeah, correct? I, it is indeed. I do. Okay. Believe. Yes. We're doing that, but we're going to start with news and rumors because there's a lot of them. The first one is a rumor, even by the websites publishing them. But we are being told that the Lucha Bros are on the verge of being signed exclusively in the U.S. to AEW and exclusively outside to AAA. Uh, this is reportedly a way to get them out of the crash, get them out of CMLL, and of course it would mean Impact Wrestling, MLW. Um, I don't know when this is supposed to happen, but it's something I think that should happen if I'm AEW. I would absolutely try to lock them down. We'll see what happens. One website introduced them as... AEW is on the verge of securing one of the most electrifying tag teams in the business. Can we stop with that? What do you think, Miss Van? Um, well, I, I agree. It's uh, a good idea on the part of AEW, um, and I like that it may mean more opportunities for them in AEW. We've talked before about how they may not be regarded as anything more than an exciting tag team as long as they are uh, not fully exclusive, not fully committed. But I am uh, a fan of people being able to work everywhere they want to be. One thing that AEW, at least on paper, is pushing back against is uh, kind of this like really strict exclusivity of, well, you're not really an employee, but still we're going to control every aspect of your life and where you work and all that stuff. But uh, we don't know if that's what it means exactly. So I, I guess I would wait and see. I would just, uh, I would hate for opportunities for them to uh, explore their chances to be missed. And I would hate for AEW to alienate independent wrestling. Cause I think that could be a uh, very strong ally for them, but that's uh, very speculative so we don't really know yet what that would look like. You know, maybe they would just not be doing other TV products. Uh, we yeah. really have no idea. So I I'm just going to stop speculating now, and uh, we'll have to wait and see on this one. We really don't, because right before we went on the air, I haven't even clicked on it. That's how fresh it is. It looks like Chris Jericho may be challenging 
for the New Japan World Title soon, sometime soon. Hmm. So, yeah, interesting. You know, that, that's a top guy in the company wrestling outside of it, if yeah. that's the case. In a company that's supposedly not associated with New Japan. Yeah. So, yeah, interesting. So we really don't know, but and it's hard for me because in in Utopia, I know what sounds good, and maybe we will see a world that's bigger and broader. But at the same time, this also comes on the heels of a report that Pentagon almost broke his neck in a three-way match at Impact Wrestling. Mm. And so, if I am if I have a vision for him and I'm paying him good money, it's hard for me to say just go anywhere you want to go and do whatever you want because I don't want you getting your neck broke in Impact Wrestling. But um, I think he only had a stretched muscle, and um, they said that he should recover fine. But having seen the spot, I kind of don't want to see it. He was wrestling a three-way match, I think, with um, Johnny Impact and uh, some other dude. I forget his name. Former Ring of Honor guy. Michael Elgin? You know, in Impact, mm. yeah. Okay, cool. Um, I guess my only counter to that is you can break your neck at any wrestling show, and that's the sad truth. You know, there's nothing special about Impact versus AEW. People will be injured in both at times. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if you want to be protective of your talent, you want them to work in fewer dates, then I'm sure there's a way to do that. Um, it's probably just to keep paying them more money so they don't have to go out and uh, try to work any other places. But then again, some people are going to want to work anyway, so... Yeah. Yeah. Um, my other thought with this is when I heard the Pentagon might miss Double or Nothing, I was almost a little excited about that <laughs> because at this point I would honestly kind of accept anything that splits up Pentagon and Phoenix and just puts some distance between them because we've talked many times on this show about how no matter how good they are as a tag team, these are two like dynamite singles acts that don't even necessarily um, – like, they do have chemistry, but they also, Pentagon in particular, he's something different when he teams with Phoenix compared to what he potentially can be when he's off on his own. So, so yeah, I don't know. If he does miss it, it could actually be very interesting. It could force AEW to shuffle the deck and maybe uh, figure out something on the fly, which is uh, always an interesting thing to watch. I don't wish for him to be injured. I don't wish for him to be, you know, off in pain somewhere with a broken neck or something. But uh, I don't know. It it did uh, give me that thought at least. Yeah, because what comes out of this speculation to me is the almost highest amount of possible good news and the lowest level of bad news. Because the good news is AEW has prized the Lucha Bros from day one. Like, they have wanted to sign them. That's been clear. They signed them the best that they could, and now they want to sign them even more. So that's that tells me that this is a company that privileges the Lucha Bros. But the bad news is that not, it may also be a tag team that privileges the Lucha Bros. And if it's about them as a tag team, pass. Like I said, I am maybe 75% on this project because Pentagon was in the company, and most weeks I forget that he is in AEW because I don't want to think about him. I am not excited about that match. Maybe they, I'm not saying they can't have a good match, but even if they went out and had a match I enjoyed, I still don't halfway care. And they might not even do that. Pentagon really is flattened as a character. He still does the same moves. He still does the same taunts, but maybe not in the same way. But he's absolutely flattened as an individual in this tag team. And I'm not paying to see that. That's not what I want. 
And I'm like you, I don't want to see an injury, but I would like to see anything beyond be, be, before that that could split this tag team up. Um, I'm not just speaking from my conscience. I'm. I had a dream last night, Miss Van. Oh, what was the dream? Tell us. So, it was the first. What was the two nights before the first night of AEW TV? And somehow in my dream, uh, it was the TV show in October that was the Las Vegas show, not Double or Nothing. And they were airing two shows online. You could watch the two nights before the wrestlers arriving, some storylines happening before the big TV debut. And for whatever reason, when they got to the door, they would give them like two-way radios so they could like. Like, oh, Pentagon and um, Phoenix, you guys might need to communicate when you're not around each other. Here, take these radios. But the thing is, they gave the wrong one to Phoenix. So Pentagon has this two-way radio, and he's walking around on this online episode, and somebody else is talking to him. And I can't make out who it is. I'm guessing it's a rustler because they gave they gave these away. But Pentagon doesn't also doesn't recognize it as a specific wrestler for whatever reason, because it's not Phoenix. He thinks that it is his new master who has somehow like um, started to talk through this thing. And he's trying to interpret everything that this guy is saying um, as some kind of veiled um, attack that he should go out and do. So I don't know what the hell is going on. Like as a fan, I'm just sitting there listening. No, that's like a wrestler who's confused because you guys have the wrong but Pentagon, for some reason, is hearing a new master, and he wants to go out and hurt people, and he's just totally on the wrong course. But I'm like, okay, go ahead, Pentagon. You got to do what you need to do. And, they, and you know, nobody could find Phoenix. Phoenix was not on the episode. So <laughs> <laughs> that was the dream. <laughs> I like that dream. I actually uh, I like the way your subconscious is trying to book here. Um, Pentagon as... Kind of like a guy who just does bad things for the sake of a master, quote unquote, you know, whether that master is actually even there or not, uh, is actually very key to his character. Like, you know, he always had Vampiri on somebody kind of directing him. But does he really even need like I think Pentagon needs to feel like he's getting that direction. But I think mm. that direction is really coming from inside and the external forces are just kind of an excuse to let him do what he wants to do. So yeah, let something like this happen. And actually I think you could make it work. Your, your dream may have had a very good idea. I agree 100% with absolutely it's within his power. But the two things that we have seen is he seems to either get it from a master or from the fans. And and if I had to choose, it would not be the fans. Oh, Google master, please. My God. <laughs> Making the, the the last thing that you should do is make the we we wrestling fans your master. <laughs> Don't do it. We 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 have no guidance to give you. Go on. But yeah, I want to see Pentagon take Pentagon seriously. Yes, please. It's not that hard. I mean, does anybody watch Lucha Underground? <laughs> we already did that show. <laughs> ah, I can't. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Uh, I was just thinking, and I, you could tell me whether you think it or not, and maybe it's impossible to know, but I was thinking yesterday and feeling sad. Has Pentagon Window already shut to mm. be the, the the star that we think that he can be, the star that it looked like he should have been, you know, a year or two ago in Lucha Underground? Has that window already passed? I would say absolutely not. I could say it, it could pass, and we could. There's a history, you know... 
there, there are two worlds at least that I know. There is the history I grew up with, and there's the current WWE, and both of them would allow, I think, for Pentagon to have his moment. One of them is that it's almost expected, unless you come right in and you look like this and you're booked like this, that you, you're either going to end up like an MJ, MJF chasing a TV title, or you're going to end up like Steve Austin and Brian Pillman. Like, you go be a tag team, but when we break you up, somebody's going to pop off. And so I could still see the moment they break up, both of them having a potential run. Then we got WWE, which I wouldn't watch AEW if it was like this, but then that you could always be a star tomorrow because yesterday never happened. So, <laughs> yep, true. But I don't think it's over. I don't think it's over for either of them. I think it's also a reality that they could break up, and for some reason, like Phoenix could become the preferred guy. You just don't know. Mm, for sure. So, like my thought process is because I never even really thought this about Phoenix. It didn't even occur to me. Um, I think what made me thinking about Pentagon is I'm sitting here and I'm wondering. A, has he learned too many bad habits to now break mm. out of the pack? And B, will anyone be around to recognize the kind of uh, handling that I think he needs, which is different than the way he would handle Phoenix? I think people are primed, promoters are primed to give Phoenix all the pushes that he needs just based on what he can do in the ring because that's very important right now. But Pentagon, he requires something different. And are there promoters out there? who are willing and able to give it to him. Those are the two things that I don't know. Um, and I really hope that, yeah, that, that huge Pentagon moment is still in our future, but it, it makes me nervous, you know? That hurts in a way because I misunderstood your question. And you say so you might be actually right about this because when you said the way we want to see him, I, I thought, like, this guy deserves to be a top talent, you know, mm -hmm. but not... There's no guarantee anyone's going to ever book him like Lucha Underground again. Right, right. That's a fact. Um, there still is something for all he does wrong. There's an equal amount of what he does right. So even when mm -hmm. he comes out and just get, does the package pile driver to which I think Matt Jackson on that stage, like there's something nice. There's something that's very Pentagon about that. You know, he just like like he's not he's not out there playing with you. He's not it's not a game. Um, he's not gonna have a war of words with the Jackson brothers. God knows we don't need that. He's just gonna <laughs> pack his pile driver you and put you out. So it's there. As I've also seen it. We, I don't know if we'll ever watch it, but I watched um the feud with the with LAX and uh, Impact Wrestling. And again, Conan. I think I mentioned this, but Conan's talking both teams down. He's like, "This is what people want. They want to play you off of each other. You're gonna have a great wrestling match, but it doesn't have to be like this." And then. They all agree, you know, we're not going to, you know, just calm it down. And two seconds later, Pentagon's like pissed off for no good reason. And they got to hold him back, you know, when they just established that that's not what they're going to do. <laughs> so both, this is why I would say both Pentagons, I think, the one we want and the one we don't are intact inside of this man right now. Okay. And it's up to AEW, you know, because it has to be an outside force. Like AEW, and it's sad that he's acclimate like for some people to acclimate yourself to a style and be accepted that's your top shelf like you made it congratulations mm. for pentagon to me to acclimate himself to everyone else is to take a step down and a step back mm. and we need somebody that recognizes that but again i've got you know was anybody watching lucha underground yeah. that's the that's what we got to find out we know Cody's the WCW guy. The Young Bucks are whatever the fuck they are. Was anybody <laughs> watching? So 
I, I like that. Let's keep that out in front of us because they are going to break up one day if they stay in any company long term. I hope to God. <laughs> they got to, man. Cause you can't. But then, I mean, if you're just looking at story, and I don't mind. The reason I'm not going to get overly – the last thing I want to do is rush anybody because if wrestling needs something, it's, it's patience. True. But it is a little uh, uh, um, off-putting to watch us tease the Jacksons breaking up so one of them could be a star while Pentagon is <laughs> just a, a tag wrestler. Yeah. Um, I still don't understand that tease. It's not a, a thing that anybody thinks will happen or right. wants to happen, so I don't know what the upside of that tease is, except I guess to... Uh, if if it's leading to my idea of Chris Jericho like forming an army of malcontents to like destroy the elite, then maybe you know. But yeah. even that, that could be really good, or that could be shades of you know alliance to end Hulkamania ridiculousness. Yeah. So I, I don't even know if I want that for sure, but it could be good. So I don't know, maybe. The only thing it's done for me is for the first time I at least know a little bit of the difference between Nick and Matt, which I, like I couldn't even get their names for half the show we've been doing. <laughs> I'm still not sure. What what is the difference between them? Tell me. Well, I mean, from what I'm seeing right now, um, Nick is Nick's very understated. He doesn't talk a lot, but when he does say something, it's kind of you know very direct. Whereas Matt Matt's got Matt seems to have a lot more issues and seems to be a lot more opinionated. I, like Matt's starting to be a character. Nick is still kind of to me what both of them were. Okay, I gotcha. All right. You know, so I, I I know the difference when they're on my screen for the first time. So <laughs> I, I figured out well, it's Matt that has the sideburns, right? And yeah. Okay, yeah. We should probably know this before like week fourteen of our own <laughs> show about the Young Bucks company, but uh, I don't care. You know, I'm not here for the Young Bucks. They're yeah, yeah. they're they're tertiary to what I'm interested in. Good motto. We're not here for the Young Bucks. <laughs> I think too. Um, it would be interesting if they ever broke up. Would they still want tag team wrestling to main event shows because they believe in it, or do they want tag team wrestling to main event shows because they're currently a tag team? Um, a, I don't believe they would break up anyway. And B, if they did, I think they still would want to push tag team wrestling. I mean, it's been uh, – even if they break up now, their career is already like 80% set. Like they're yeah. not going to go forever. So they, they know tag team wrestling. It's important to them. Um I think they would push it regardless, and that is cool because I do like tag wrestling, although not always the kind of tag wrestling the Young Bucks like. So. Okay. We are now going to put a, a bullshit narrative beneath the ground. <laughs> um, we're going to end the narrative that AEW either doesn't exist or it's a t-shirt company and it's not on WWE's radar. Mm. It could go away tomorrow, sure. They could spin themselves to death. They could not build a fan base. None of us are predicting the future, but... All your claims about the present that sound anything like that are petty, feeble, and bullshit. So here's a few things for you. If you remember, um, the pissant bodybuilder Triple H uh, fired shots at the Hall of Fame only to get AEW chance on Raw. So that kind of tells me right there that they understand AEW's out there since they're referencing them. Now WWE has reportedly offered the revival, a five-year contract, $500,000 per year. WWE has pulled The Undertaker and Kurt Angle from StarCast, and any show that even is seemingly related to AEW, uh, the Russell Cade owner says that he is not actually working with AEW, but he lost committed talent because WWE perceives him as working with AEW. Um, WWE has since signed Goldberg for Saudi Arabia, and they have offered a contract 
to Joey Ryan, and both, at least with the rumor, that they want to keep these men out of AEW. We also have Gallows unhappy, Anderson unhappy, Luke Harper unhappy, Sasha Banks unhappy, uh, Dean Ambrose potentially gone, so on and so forth. And no, this is not all AEW, but you have to be out of your fucking mind to think that it's not at least the fact that there exists a wrestling company that can offer you decent money and potentially creative freedom. For sure. <clears throat> I mean, uh, as far as WWE goes, WWE is going to be WWE, you know, forever. And uh, it's the same company that supposedly didn't care about TNA and then just coincidentally brought Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart back mm. together, you know, the night that they were trying to go head to head. So, yeah, I mean... They're hypersensitive to any kind of possible competition. They are very, uh, they like to limit what the people do who are associated with them. I'm amazed Undertaker and Angle were ever, uh, even announced with StarCast. I, I don't know how that even happened. Um, so yeah, uh, as far as Goldberg goes, you know, that Saudi blood money, I guess we'll get <laughs> just about anybody. Yeah. And Joey Ryan, that's the one that's really petty to me because the other ones you can kind of hand wave, but like, they don't really want Joey Ryan, no. except insofar as they want everyone on God's green earth now. But, uh, yeah, they, they are who they are. You know, it's not surprising. It's not shocking. It just is like, yeah, anyone who's like, oh, AW, they barely exist. Well, yeah, they kind of exist. They are having some effect, you know, whether you like it or not. If you if I had the ear of anybody, I wish I could sit down with Joey Ryan and tell him. That nobody thought Steve Austin would be a star or Mick Foley. But when the competition came, WWE had to shift everything they're about. Joey Ryan, you could be the next Stone Cold Steve Austin. Just sign with WWE. This is your moment. But he won't do it. I think the contracts, I think they lowballed him. I'm sure AEW will offer him a $500 million a minute. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think I may have mentioned it a week or two ago, but supposedly, you know, who knows for sure. But the story is he only really took the meeting to see if they would offer him something really blow away um, in terms of money or, you know, some other kind of deal. And, of course, they did it because, again, WWE doesn't really want Joey Ryan. So this is the company where, I don't know if you saw this stuff, but Leo Rush, you know, has been out yeah. there talking about how um, – <clears throat> what, is he getting three hundred thousand dollars for a six-year deal, which is like fifty thousand a year? Three hundred. Which yeah, fifty thousand a year plus WWE. You know, they're a company that don't cover a lot of travel expenses, a lot of road expenses. So, I mean, at the end of the day, he'd probably be taking home less than I do. You know, well, I'm yeah. working. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's not exactly like your money dream come true to work for WWE and uh, put that on top of all the other problems that have come out um, recently, and not really recently, but at least have been more in focus recently, it, it's maybe not the place you want to commit your life to right now. So The biggest thing, too, in my book is do you want creative freedom or not? Because mm -hmm. I don't think there's anything wrong with not wanting it. You know, I think there have been wrestlers in history who have been better with the machine, with, paired with the right machine and not – not doing a lot outside the box. And I also think there are wrestlers who absolutely are not going to be happy. And one day I'm going to talk about this. I'm just going to throw it out here right now. But one day I want to at least start the conversation about the myth of WrestleMania. That's going to – I know people are going <laughs> to – it's like I find a new way to – anyway. So WrestleMania, 
is given to us for a hundred years as the only thing anyone's ever wanted to do. They didn't even want to get into wrestling. They just wanted to be main event WrestleMania. They wanted to be on the biggest stage of them all. And there's absolutely truth to that. Absolutely. But also, it's easy for WrestleMania to be WrestleMania when WWE is the only show in town. So, is WrestleMania the same every decade? Is it viewed the same? I would say even right now, to main event WrestleMania is not the same thing to main event in the past. There have been times that to main event WrestleMania means you are the most urgent talent and we have to have you up there because we have to do the things we have to do. And then there have been times where WWE has been fat and plentiful and they can book anything because the main star in the WWE is the WWE. The second is WrestleMania. And I only say this because... There are a lot of um, there are a lot of things that could have been true at one time that might not be true anymore. Should the wrestling landscape change like it may change? Mm. I mean, if WWE shut down and WCW existed, would people have said, you know, I only got into the business the main event WrestleMania, but I guess I'll work Starcade or I guess <laughs> I'll work Super Brawl, you know? Or would we have had a different narrative? Would people have been talking about? You know, I grew up on Ric Flair and Ricky Steamboat, or I saw Flair and Vader, or if you're a Sting guy, let's say Sting, for WCW to have won, Sting has to beat Hogan, and that has to not be a crock of shit. We had to start there, so then we got younger guys. You know, I saw Sting and Hulk Hogan in 97, you know. So I just want to say, WrestleMania is an amazing thing, but there's so many taken-for-granted ideas that exist Outside of w- because the WWE has been the only narrative, and I am looking forward to the day should it come, where you can work a stage, be it New Japan Pro Wrestling, be it anyone around the world, be it AEW, be it other shows, where you don't have to say, oh yeah, but I'm still just trying to get to WrestleMania because maybe you like WrestleMania better now than you did then, but let me assure you, to main event WrestleMania, I'm not gonna say what's better and what's not, but to main event it today is not to main event it. In 98, is not to main event it. In 85, 87, mm. they're different things. And it's going to be different the more context that we have. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, it is radically different, I think. And I think there's a lot of conversation we can have about that. Uh, I'll just say this, and we can move along, um, unless you have a, a lot of response. But uh, if WWE was capable of telling a babyface story that wasn't uh, the boyhood dream, the childhood mm. dream, you know, Oh, I just wanted my whole life just to go to WrestleMania and have my moment. Like, it kind of doesn't even matter now if you win or if you get a championship, if you do anything. You just got to go to WrestleMania and have a moment, capitalized, trademark, WrestleMania moment, mm. hashtag. You know, it's like, eh, it's just, uh, I, I don't know. It seems to be kind of the only thing that matters anymore. And it's it's just not engaging to me. To some, it is. I have no doubt. And that's great. It's not to me. I'm looking for something else. And I think what came, I, it just came to me one night, and I scribbled some things. I think part of it was we didn't know that like five or ten people on your roster at minimum were miserably unhappy until someone else is offering a different kind of contract. Mm. So there's a lot of things that we did not know that we're going to start to know. And then I thought about myself because I'm, I, I, I'm if you want to make if it's your dream to main event WrestleMania. Good for you. But also, if I were a wrestler, it wouldn't be, is it a big deal to main event WrestleMania or a small deal? I would have 0%. My desire would be at 0 to main event WrestleMania. 
is sterile and overly constructed, and it's not about the performer. That's my take. That might not be yours, but that's my take. So I would have 0% interest, and I would rather be on a show, be it Impact Wrestling, be it Nick. I would rather be Nick Aldis trying to defend the NWA title with 100,000 fans or 100,000 viewers or whatever it is who think that I, I the performer, am doing something than to be having my WrestleMania moment and then WWE can decide tomorrow okay, we're going to do this again next year or we're never going to do this again because it's not about you. And I would take, I, I like risk though. I'm different. If you don't like risk, you know, even if they, they could, they could put you on the main event of WrestleMania or they could demote you, but you're still safe as long as you're there. But I just think narratives are going to change and narratives need to change. And one thing we need to challenge is not that WrestleMania sucks, but that, WrestleMania is not the only stage. It's got that that that, that needs to needs to change. And the, that, how many people want to leave? Like yeah, tomorrow, it already is changing. I think. Yeah. Just for that reason. Um. Because you're giving up your wrestle. If you're Luke Harper or Dean Ambrose or whoever else, you're giving up those future moments if you are leaving or want to leave. So there's got to be something else other than you know wanting to be on that stage at moment. I, we're going to have a tough time on to convince me because I know that's a segment you enjoyed, but we're watching it in different times. And, man, good God, I could not on a lot of that. Not the performers, but just the WWE way of telling a story. Just so, God. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's something else entirely. So, well, we'll get to it for sure. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's not an easy choice. And, yeah, I think a lot of people, when the chips are down, wouldn't be able to make that kind of choice that you would because uh, there's a lot of other factors, too. You know, do you have a family to support? You know, do you have uh, other considerations? Maybe yeah. this isn't your creative outlet. Maybe it's just a business for you, so you want to go off and get that payday. You know, there's a lot of consideration with that. But but I respect the choice, yeah, to, to pursue kind of that uh, creative outlet rather than strictly just kind of your business needs. Um, so I, it's, a, it's a cool thought. You know, I hope that people have that option more and more, and I definitely think they're already getting that. You know, they, they want to, not even AEW necessarily, but, you know, uh, they want to work Wrestle Kingdom. You know, maybe they want to work in Mexico. They want to work uh, in various places in the United States. There's a lot more options now, and that's a really great thing. Yeah, even watching Alex Shelley back in the day when he went back to New Japan, like the way you're kind of humbled and like, okay, I, I need to learn the craft more. I need to come up. Like, I'm not a big New Japan fan, so I wouldn't necessarily want to be the Wrestle Kingdom guy. But I think it would mean something different to have a WrestleMania moment than a, than a Wrestle Kingdom. They both, mm. the cultures are so different that those moments are so different. Yeah, they would mean something different. Yeah. So what I like is it's opening up. Um, we're seeing changes. We're seeing challenges to these uh, master narratives that are so tired. And, you know, we'll see what happens. But we're in an exciting time. We're in May, as I mentioned. We are in May. This is double or nothing month. Chris Jericho has said that a TV deal is soon coming. Um, the rumors have often been May. Another rumor is that when they announce where you can view double or nothing, perhaps it will be. On a streaming device, it might be a telltale sign for what TV they're going with. For instance, if it's Bleacher Report, it would be TNT. Um, it would be Turner. So 
we are sitting close, perhaps, to yet another reveal. And it's not one I try to think a lot about because I'm so tired of the rumors, but I will be very excited to find out. Is this TNT? Is this Turner? Is this somewhere else? You know, so we're going to see what's coming very soon, Miz fan. Um, there was a lot of weeks where I felt like nothing was coming, and now you can't really turn around without getting hit with two or three um, announcements. Uh, yeah, um, I just want them to announce their Dan TV deal already. <laughs> Honestly, that's all I really want to know at this point because I'm tired of being up in the air. I'm tired of the anticipation. I'm tired yes. of people pretending it doesn't exist or questioning whether it exists. Just, just bloody come out with it as soon as you can because it's past time. Yes, and Cole Icon and others have said while it's not guaranteed to be announced. You know, a lot of networks will be announcing their fall lineups in May, so I, I think we're sitting, we're sitting just before it. But like you said, let's just wait, let's wait and see. Yeah. Um, a philosophical conversation and a practical one. So another Dave Meltzer rumor is, I think it's Dave Meltzer. I may be misspeaking, but um, AEW wants to have their Lex Luger moment at um, their first show in October. Um, for you fans who may not know, if you're listening to this, you probably do know. If you listen to WCW, the Legacy Series, you damn sure know that on the first Nitro, the great Lex Luger walked out and the fans went wild. What a moment. So um, we can talk a little bit about the idea of a Lex Luger moment because I think that we probably would agree that we don't want Lex Luger moments just for the sake of Lex Luger moments. Mm. But I also want to, so we can talk a little about about the philosophy. I think I mentioned in the comments, can we ever be happy as fans? Like, can I enjoy, let's say that I wanted Chris Jericho. Can I still enjoy him now that he's signed? Or do I only enjoy him if he hasn't been signed? The moment he signs, do I now have to think about Dean Ambrose? If Dean Ambrose signs, do I have to think about CM Punk? Because I can't be happy with what's already there. And when when is that moment actually like a damn good moment. Like, yes, yes, that versus doing it for its own sake. And finally, if they were going to have their Lex Luger moment in October, who should it be? That's a lot of questions to answer all in one yeah. uh, little package there. Um, I am wary of a Lex Luger moment, uh, kind of for the reasons you mentioned. I am afraid it means that they are looking for a shock or a mm. swerve. Uh, and personally, I'd rather they got through on the strength of their storytelling, on the strength of the characters Preach. that they are building. Um, but I do understand it's what people expect. And I think if we don't get something, people will be disappointed. So I'm going to hope and pray that they uh, have the ability to do it well. They've done a lot of things well so far. So I think there's a good chance. As for how, like, what does a good moment look like? I think it's hard to define like there's a felt sense to it that doesn't let you articulate completely mm. what it's going to be um so i will just say that yeah i hope it is not something just based on shock and swerve it is something that rather than someone just comes and they are there and that is like the moment um let it be something they do and let that something they do not be for god's sake shoot on the wwe <laughs> I might turn uh, off on day one if they do that. Yeah, for sure. Have them come in. Have them immediately start um, 
a character arc, an interaction with somebody that's going to define their early part in the company, you know, make, make something of that. And then I think I will be happy. You know, it depends on a lot of factors that we don't know. Who do I want it to be? I honestly have no idea. Most people that others would be excited about wouldn't necessarily thrill me and vice versa, swap that around. It would be kind of nice to see Ibushi show up. I don't anticipate that that's really possible. Um, if it is CM Punk, if it is John Moxley, and they both give a shit, that could definitely be fun as well. Um, but I would have trepidations kind of with any of these possibilities. So last but not least, I can definitely be happy with the company as it exists. I've been doing it <laughs> this whole time with a lot of different promotions. As for other people, I have no idea. I can never speak for anyone else. I hope that they can, because it seems sad to live the other way. Yeah, fair, 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 all the way around. I will say, even the Lex Luger moment, like, that was my moment, not only because I liked Luger, but also, that was 1995, and already, Hogan had only been there a little while, and I felt disrespected as an NWA WCW fan in my own company by then. So to see uh, an NWA WCW guy come out and to see them come out in a flare sting match, like these are contexts that mattered beyond the surprise. Like W it, if you have not turned us off because of my WrestleMania comments, then maybe it's <laughs> safe to keep talking, but here's an idea for you. Maybe WWF booked Lex Luger poorly instead of Lex Luger couldn't handle the moment. Maybe the stupid um, wrap them in the flag and Hulk Hogan in an era where people had already turned on Hulk Hogan himself wasn't the right idea. Maybe um, having a screw job ending where America doesn't win when you do the America angle wasn't going to go well. Maybe booking him as a mid-carter as a nobody for two years is not the best booking. So it was also good to see Somebody go back to where they actually are used properly and they actually belong. Mm. So that was another context. Then it was, oh, God, we got Lex Luger and Hulk Hogan in the same ring going nose to nose. And that was a dream match in the 80s. That was a front cover PWI dream match. Mm. So we got that going. Then we got Lex Luger and Sting on one side of the ring and Randy Savage and Hulk Hogan on another. So what I'm saying is there were a lot of contexts where it mattered beyond the moment. Whereas most people will tell you if they even mention Luger's name and they ever mention it positive that it was the moment. It was that he didn't tell Vince and he walked out and he shocked everybody. But there was a lot more going on than that. Um, the only guy that I could see, I'm not even saying I would want to see it, but CM Punk would, would kind of have the surprise element in that every time people want to say that CM Punk is coming to AEW, it's like something else is thrown out there that proves that he's not. So I think one time he, he commented or it looked like, no, he's not interested. See, see a, they make up the rumor that he's going to AEW and then they clown AEW when he doesn't come and AEW never said anything. <laughs> so they did that before. Now CM Punk, I think on the night of double or nothing is going to be commentating, um, MMA, see, see AEW. He's not going to be there. So, in the context of it being a Lex Luger moment, I don't think it could be Ambrose because, to me, Ambrose would not be a surprise. Ambrose would be a 35% expectation. Mm. I think CM Punk really would kind of be, for especially CM Punk fans, like, you know, oh, my God, he crossed mm. that line. 
Right, yeah, because people in their right mind expect that CM Punk will never come back to wrestling because he's yeah. sort of hateful now and he hates wrestling and all this stuff. But you never know. So, um, yeah, in spite of everything, yeah, it honestly would excite me still if he is there to actually contribute and not, you know, something else. So. Yeah, and how does he come out and make noise without doing the promo that we don't want done would be right. another great question. Yeah, I mean... I kind of trust Punk, like, his verbal skills to get around that, because even, like, his famous pipe bomb, it was sort of shooty, but it was still, like, it worked very well in the context of, like, what he was doing at that time. It was never just shooty for its own sake, I think. Mm. That's not really his style, so I want to give him the benefit of the doubt on that. Uh, although, again, you, you never really know, you know, that, God, that was almost a decade ago now, so who knows what could happen. Absolutely. I think the final question, final statement in our kind of extended news and rumors this week is we're inside of the month. We we are here. We are on the doorstep. Um, Where is your excitement for Double or Nothing at this moment? And what is defining it? Um, I'm definitely feeling Double or Nothing. Uh, It's another thing that I just kind of wish would uh, get here already because I feel like we've been building to it for a really long time. And uh, we don't have the benefit of, like, you know, a weekly product or smaller events. It's really just been hanging in the air for a long time. So please just get here. Um, I'm feeling the – I'm kind of feeling the same excitement probably as before. Maybe just a little bit less because even though I've kind of talked myself into this Cody-Dustin thing, it's still – I don't know. I, I was hanging a lot of excitement on that match. It's not exactly – what I was hoping it would be, but then again, it may end up surpassing a lot of my expectations. So uh, there's a lot to look forward to on this card. I just really wanted to be here already. Yes, there are a lot of a lot of questions remain, but like you said, some have been taken away. Uh, Marty's a big question for me because mm. the rumor was April for so long, and they're teasing right on time, right. Marty's girl. But there's also a rumor that came out. I can't remember who that came from. That he's actually signed till fall. I don't know if that's true at all. But that would be a whole different ball game. Then you got, we're going to talk Dean Ambrose next. That's on deck, ladies and gentlemen. Mm-hmm. Forgot to mention that at the beginning. That's, that's the kind of world we're living in. Forgot to mention Dean Ambrose becomes John Moxley. Um, the code, we're going to talk Cody Rose, but that feels like that was six months ago at this point, and that was, you know, within this week. But I think the biggest thing that I'm wondering about, and I haven't thought about it till now, is the vibe of the event. So, does the vibe of Double or Nothing feel like All In? If so, is that the kind of vibe they create? If it doesn't feel like that, is that purposefully and they're going a different direction? Or is it just a different feel? But, you know, it's going to take some shows to really, like, what is the feel of this company? What is its culture? What's its core? What does it do? And that's not just storylines and matches, but what is the felt sense? Like, we'll talk NWA. I felt a certain type of way. Seeing that NWA ring, we'll talk about that. What does AEW evoke? Um, I would not have chosen Dustin Rhodes. I said that before, but I'm I'm now into the match. I want to see it, and then I hope maybe maybe Cody's got a little more on the store than Dustin Rhodes before the night's over. Who knows? Um, it's a weird one because maybe maybe we both have some double or nothing fatigue because I'm not. <laughs> I'm not as looking forward to the matches as I'm looking forward to being on the other side of them. <laughs> uh, yeah, I get what you're saying. And I think I think that's the biggest difference to All In because All In was 
potentially like a once in a lifetime thing mm-hmm. and you didn't know if it would succeed or fail and you didn't know if anything like that could ever even happen again um it was very much like uh a, an event that's kind of all unto itself and whereas double or nothing has some of that vibe we also know it's kind of the start of something else and that's a totally different conversation mm-hmm. there was no expectation on all in to not only deliver on the night but also set up for future success uh, necessarily whereas double or nothing you know it's got to succeed not just in being a good show that engages people, but also with making those people say, hey, I got to come back and watch this again, you know, when it's on the next events or when it's on TV. So uh, there's a different expectation. There's a different vibe. And uh, I think that's kind of unavoidable because All In was so, like, landmarky and all off on its own. Like, it wasn't even associated with any kind of company directly, whereas Double or Nothing, you know, this is AEW now. We know something different about this show. Yeah, and nobody wanted All In really to fail because it wasn't a threat to anything. Like, <laughs> yeah, true. You now got well, you got wishers on both sides now. And you got it's a different world when people want some people want to see you succeed maybe desperately, and some people want to see you fail maybe desperately. So a lot's on the line. Again, I've never been that excited about Jericho Ambrose or Jericho Ambrose, Jericho Kenny Omega. I'm hoping to be surprised. I'm not as excited about Cody and Dustin as Cody and Mystery Man, hoping to be surprised. You know, there's a lot of that. Mm-hmm. And then there's a lot of lower card matches that you know are going to be really good matches. You know, I don't know if they're going if if I'm waking up in the morning, just like God, I got to get to that match. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Pentagon again is is stifled. Is got is there anything I'm looking forward to on the show? That as far as just like I, I need to get to that match, I don't know. I don't think so. I, I don't think so, based on the conversations we've had. Um, I think uh, your excitement for AEW is probably as high as mine, but your excitement for this card is probably a bit lower. Cause, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm really looking forward to, uh, I think, SoCal Uncensored versus Stronghearts yeah. is going to be very fun. I think Adam Page versus uh, Pac is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I'm actually really looking forward to the Budget Battle Royal. Uh, there's a lot of cool, fun people in there. And that could tell us a lot of things about who maybe is going to be opposing who yeah. in the future of AEW. Um, yeah, but I, I don't know. Uh, I'm interested in the women's match. I'm interested in everything. But, yeah, even me, there's nothing that I'm like, man, I got to see this now. Like, I'm on the edge of my seat. I got to see it tomorrow. Um, you know, I can wait. Uh, I just kind of want the event <laughs> to be here. And then, like you said, to be on the other side of it so we can kind of have more idea of what we're doing here. Yeah, I'm not not interested in any of it. Um, Pac, it might, Pac Page might be the match I'm most looking forward to. Hmm. So I don't even think about that match until you said it. <laughs> Maybe next week we'll it. do a convince me for uh, for Hangman Page, and we can uh, talk more about him. That that'll yeah. be interesting. What the hell would they have done though if there if there was a match that we could not wait to see and it started in January? Yeah, we might would have died doing the show. <laughs> <laughs> I would have been happy to die that way though. So yeah. uh, I'm not gonna give him good. credit for that. Yeah. That is why we do work together right there. That statement, yeah. Let me die at the keyboard. Let me die at the mic for the match I'm excited for. We'll get to it. I'm already maybe more excited for Cody versus uh, Darby Allen than, you know, anything. So, who knows? I don't know without TV what you can do, really, because this is all good. 
all hopeful. You can get ideas, but I also care about championships, especially when they fucking matter. You know, it helps build directions and context. So there's a lot still to come. Oh man, I I just wanted to mention excitement because I thought we we're gonna be both be like, oh man, it's May, we're both excited, but this kind of brought me down a little bit. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm looking forward to it. Honestly, it's just not kind of that burning passion that maybe we might have had in a different scenario. But uh, yeah, part of it really is, I think, just how long it's taking to get here. Like, it's cool to have a slow build, but. This has been kind of a glacial build at times, you know, like very, very little has happened to kind of promote some of these matches. Um, so it's just a problem of, yeah, not being on TV. This is what I was talking about, like with the YouTube stuff. You, you do all these these interviews where everyone's just so happy to be here. Maybe in that time you could have like put some more towards like, let's get people more excited for these matches and not just say like, here's a person like. You will see them wrestle. Thank you. Hey, like, handshake, you know? Okay, good, great, you know? Okay, come on. Give me the story. Let me sink my teeth into this a little bit. And uh, I don't know if they've done that as much. You know what I'm most excited about for AEW is, like, Cody versus Chris Jericho. That's not even a thing that's, like, on... Mm. It's not even in this conversation of this show. You know, maybe it will be when we get there. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. The interesting question to what you just said is, is that because of the YouTube videos, or is that partly what a sports-centric company might be? If that's what a sports-centric company is, then I'm I'm out. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need that. That's not as bad as being all shooty, but man, it's I'm not. I can just go watch Ring of Honor, and you know they have good talent too, and they yeah. they can also tell me a boring story. You know, honestly. <laughs> <Hey. so. laughs> okay, good stuff. All good right. stuff. I think we're about to have three more awkward segments together, so let's keep this going. <laughs> oh, boy. oh, man. All right. Tell me all about it. Let's do it. I might be wrong because I've said, yeah, you said a little bit about some of these uh, videos. And I think maybe you might be more negative on some of them, two of them than me, and I might be more negative. I will be more negative on one of them than you. So I all think. Right. All right. Tell me all about it. Okay. So we start with uh, Dean Ambrose becomes John Moxley. Yeah. This video drops, breaks the internet, as they say. Uh. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I, I'll not rib. I, I don't think Miss Fan enjoyed this as much as I did. So um, <laughs> I, I, I need to be a gentleman and not an asshole. Let me let me back up. Okay, a video was released, met with differing opinions. <laughs> Dean Ambrose becomes John Moxley. It starts with tallies on the wall. I would never take the time to to read them, but I think those that counted them claimed there were 25 tallies on the wall. Then a prison guard comes by. Flashes a light just to make sure that all the prisoners are tucked away. I'm going to go ahead and say that my favorite thing about this is I love metaphor and storytelling. And maybe Dean Ambrose will talk about this at the end. Maybe he's still in WWE and jokes on all of us. Look at that. They really showed us. But a sensible person interpreting this, the only way they can interpret it, unless they're being worked by a company that is becoming feeble and needs a cane to stand up, would be that some of this is breaking out of Dean Ambrose, breaking out of what made Dean Ambrose. And so what I like the best in the whole video from a storytelling as a metaphor, maybe I'll read this on the air one day, but there's a book by Jonathan Gottschall, G-O-T-T-S-C-H-A-L-L called the storytelling animal, how story makes us human. And he says, storytelling is like Navy, um, fighter pilots who 
before they ever fly these planes that weigh so much and can be so consequential, they do simulations. Because you do not put somebody up there with all that weight and all that consequence. And he says that the reason that we read and watch fiction is for that simulator because life is so emotionally weighty it's so consequential when we meet someone we're either going to like them hate them fuck them go to war with them it's no small thing what you're trying to do in your existence and like just like the weight of the plane the weight of story when i sit down and watch a compelling story it gives me some indication if i take that risk if i put my life on the line if i try that this might happen what does this feel like emotionally? What might the consequences be? And my favorite part, just visually, with that context, was Dean Ambrose running into that prison wall. Mm. And that wall did not give at all. He had to run into it again and again and again. He had to stop and gather himself. And if you've lived any amount of time in life, you know the wall does not always give. And Dean Ambrose has been someone who I saw so much potential in. And I hated him for some of his behavior. And when I hated him, it wasn't because I felt like he was running up against the wall and the wall was not bunching. I felt like he had gathered himself and decided I'm going to live within that wall. And I think about my own life this last year has been nothing but uncertainty. Felt like I wasted the best years of my life. Felt like no job was at the end of the tunnel felt like nothing was happening i ran into that fucking wall and it did not budge so i liked watching him gather himself take time out pause but eventually that wall comes down then we got all the things that are talked about online he is chased by a dog possibly a big dog so on and so forth <laughs> he climbs a fence the, the visual the barbed wire the blood He's training. He passes a room that is both the Viper room, which I think might be in Vegas, and has, again, the number 25, the 2, and the 5, which I don't know if that's all in or, or excuse me, double or nothing. That might be StarCast, but that's supposedly the symbol for one of them. Um, is this Dean Ambrose breaking out of Dean Ambrose to become John Moxley for WWE? Is it a promo video for a John Moxley who's going out on the independence. Is it a promo video for a John Moxley who will be at Starcast? Say John Moxley and AEW, so on and so forth. So there you go, Ms. Fan. Laid out my little part. You're up, sir. <laughs> All right, I think you uh uh overestimated that I dislike this, because I actually didn't. I actually like this a lot. Um I maybe found it a little bit more cheesy than you did because some of these uh, metaphors, some of these visuals are a little on the nose. But you know what? Wrestling is allowed to be a little on the nose sometimes. You know, it doesn't always have to try to be incredibly high art or anything. Um, it was uh, exciting. I think I texted you right away that, like, this is definitely the most excited I've been for the possibility of John Moxley going to AEW. It was something I felt very mixed about. Now, I see this, I think, hey, maybe John Moxley, maybe he's really motivated again. You know, he took the time to make this. It looks cool. It looks uh, fun. Like, clearly a lot of thought was put into it. 
That's very cool. Uh, I still have some of my old concerns. I think my biggest fear is that this video is a lot of bells and whistles that will not actually end up translating into the only thing I want to see from John Moxley, which is John Moxley that, that cares again, that actually is out of that cage. Um, so uh, I take it as a really good sign that he is motivated, but I'm also wary because, uh, you know, back in the day, and you know the period I'm talking about, I, I was super excited about Dean Ambrose at one time, mm -hmm. and uh, I feel like he's kind of fallen short of that a bunch of times and maybe kind of convinced me that he doesn't have that same fire anymore. So uh, if he recaptures it, that's great. But I do feel like I have to hold back from investing too heavily in this just because I don't want to uh, kind of feel that sting of disappointment if it doesn't work out. But it's a cool video. It's a good sign. And uh, I, I do think it's cool. So I'm not really very negative about this at all. Maybe more than some people who would call me out for not being as excited as they think I should be. And you know who you are out there trying to give me a hard time. I don't apologize for my opinion. But, uh, but yeah, there's a lot that goes into this. Yeah, you're just as bad. Like, I would never run up on somebody and be like, if you're not watching AEW right now, you're fucked because I, I, I do a podcast about it. I'm excited about it. So that means <laughs> don't be that person on Most either side. Time, we, we care about AEW. Come on. I'm no more invested in Dean Ambrose than before the video. Okay. Partly because I refuse. This is the reason we're not covering him a lot. As long as this can be a WWE work, then he gets no, he gets none of my headspace. <laughs> Because also, well, I don't understand, what is the Mox? So is that what he's going to be? We don't get Moxley, we get Mox. Is that just a visual? Is Does that mean something? Is that going to be his name? I don't know. Yeah, it's a good question. You know, so I'm more, uh, I'm just wondering about a lot of things. I don't care about him at StarCast. I don't yeah. care about him if he's staying in WWE, because why the fuck? You know, the only thing worse than WWE being how it is to me, is it desperately trying to be something else immediately, which is pretty much saying to you, we didn't give a fuck about you wrestling fans for 20 years because we didn't have to. You know, now we'll, we'll spit out a little, a little diversity, a little variety in our tries, but then we're, you know, you'll get back in line. And then what do you think we're going to do? So at least make them work for it for the sake of everything. And, you know, Dean Ambrose is good. Like he has that potential. Yeah. We're watching a video later with that Ambrose in, and he was the only one of his side that really just made me feel like, oh, that feels authentic. Like when he's just mouthing off at Dusty Rhodes, mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah. But I'm not getting excited about this until he's doing something with it. I don't want his lazy ass in in the. He will be exposed immediately. Like he's gonna he's gonna get a big pop wherever he goes. But if he if he offers no more than what he does in a company that doesn't want you to offer more. He will get exposed eventually. Mm. I'm not a big visual guy, so I, I did like the fact that I liked the video that was mostly visual. I did not. I think we agree on the on the nose. Like a lot of the on the nose stuff didn't do it for me as much. Mm. But I just liked. I think maybe I liked him seeing him struggle because yeah. what made me so mad at him, like nothing has ever just made me sick. I don't know how to explain it because I'll never go back to watch it. But I do feel like Steve Austin was trying in that podcast was trying to say. Here's the Dean Ambrose we all like, and he was just like, we don't do that kind of stuff anymore. I'm not that Dean Ambrose. You saw the wrong guy. I want to see the man struggle. Mm. And it looked like he might, so. 
a hopeful hint, but that's all I take it as. Yeah, I mean, if he really is out on his own, if this isn't WWE produced, then, you know, he, he took a lot of time and effort to make this. So that, that tells you something right there, you know. He, he's not, he's definitely going to do something. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, Dean Ambrose, without WWE, he probably won't even wrestle anymore. He'll just go home and, like, and sleep and be, like, with his family or whatever. And I'm like, okay, maybe, but probably not. And also, <laughs> now definitely not. So here we are. Yeah. The biggest advantage he has, in my opinion, is that to me, he went and sold his soul and lost his life to others. He went and built an empire. But whatever he did, he is coming out of this at 33 years old, and I have no idea how he pulled that off. Yeah, But true. that's pretty impressive. So He very much could have a second act and a whole other career that is completely different than the other one and be successful twice in different ways on different stages should he go that route. Yep, yep. Whatever he decides to do, I hope he succeeds because I always want to wish the best of people. And I do think uh, it's a guy who at one time had a, a lot of interest with me and a lot of yeah. potential. So uh, I'll be watching him one way or the other. I just did not. like If it's WWE and you're sitting there online saying, oh, look at that. Everybody thought this and it was WWE the whole time. <laughs> then you're watching a wrestling promotion where they do a video where the meta the metaphor of their company is a prison. <laughs> yeah, true. If this is WWE produced, then the, the message in this video is that WWE is shit and yeah, it's so confusing. You don't you don't win that battle. <laughs> I don't know. This is the company that I think just earlier this year had the McMahon's come out and just say this show is shit. We're gonna make yeah. you the audience in charge now, and then nothing changed. So what what can you do with such a company? I don't know. It's confusing. I don't. That's why I'm not ruling it out. But like, sure. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be excited if I'm a WWE fan. Oh, then we showed them. Huh? They thought that. <laughs> you know, they right. thought someone else was calling it a prison, but it was WWE doing it. Yeah. So we'll see. He is once again on pause. I think a, a logical thing for him, if this is a promo video, would might would be. I definitely saw some interest in him going back to some of his hardcore stuff. So maybe maybe make some appearances where John Moxley used to haunt. You know, sure. he could do that. Uh, I kind of like the idea, again, even if it's one or two matches, like, go do something before you go to AEW if you are going there. Yeah, yeah. But we'll see. Okay. Okay. I love my brother. I've always loved my brother. We are at the Cody Rhodes rebuttal to Dustin Rhodes. Let's talk about it. Well, we can we can get into it um, specifically throughout, but let's just, just, just talk about it because it does feel like a long time ago. Um, yeah, it really does. I actually, you sent me the link to Double or Nothing, and I was like, oh, a new Double or Nothing. I was like, oh wait, I watched this like seven <laughs> days ago. So, um, yeah, tell me, I want to hear from you first because you said it sounds like you think we're going to disagree about this, but I, I don't know if you know what I think about it. So, what do you think about it? I don't know why I feel like you had kind of a negative approach to it. Because, again, any commentary you know, feels like a long time ago. True, true. And I know that for me to get on board with Dustin, I had to, we both did this a little bit. We kind of got divorced ourselves from our own opinions and looked at what the commentary said. Mm. And, like, there's a lot of people excited about this, so good. In that same vein, there's parts of this that I absolutely loved. There's a little bit that I can't so much get on board with. But if I start by divorcing myself and looking at what people thought, it was, again, a big win. Mm. Like people were excited about this. And I mean, when I say people, I'm talking about people watching AEW is another 
It was, it was viewed highly and lots of good commentary. Um, when we get to the Attitude Era stuff, we can go a lot of different ways. But I like to watch these multiple times because they are, if they're nothing else, they are very smart. And so when he's talking about being a kid, I was a little kid going to the Omni in Atlanta, Georgia. I say at one point he was my hero. That's a nice touch because the first time I watched it, I didn't realize that we were going to make this about the Attitude Era instead of the brother brotherly rivalry. So when you're talking about actually being a fan of his, when you're talking about going to shows, you're talking about WCW. You're not even talking about the Attitude Era. So that's a nice little touch for where we're ultimately going. I did like a lot uh, the parable of the prodigal son. Because he's right. We throw that out there. And some people know it and some people don't. But it's lazy. So Cody just sits there. It's only a four-minute video and spends his time uh, breaking down Luke 15 11. And it gives us two brothers. And one thing that was so impressive to me about this is because he, he's about to go on and say it's not about the brother. It's not about that to me. And he dismisses that. From him. We know for Dustin, like it or not, Cody, it is about that. Mm. But for Cody Rhodes, he, he puts both of those brothers, um, the brothers in the prodigal son parable. One of them does everything right. Because he wants his father to be proud. The other one could care less. The other one actually says, give me my inheritance now while you're alive so I can spend it, so I can enjoy it. He goes out and he spends it until he is broke. And what I like so much about this is Cody does not spend much time on it. He goes right to this. Both brothers in the parable are equally in the wrong. So he's done with it. And when is the last time you saw kind of like a heated rivalry where one person comes out and says openly up front, we're both equally in the wrong. So that's different, but it's also smart because what he's saying is, in my opinion, this is show don't tell because he's saying your whole narrative is bullshit. You're not a martyr. Dusty loved you as much as he loved me. And I didn't realize this storyline played out in WWE, but it's also in Convince Me. And there was so much in Convince Me that that backs, supports Cody's ideas. Mm. Because Michael Cole will say, Dusty was at every event that Cody was participating in. And he was not there for Dustin. But why wasn't he there? He was a fucking NWA champion. That's not really a choice of preference to a choice of situation. So to Cody, it's like, we're not going to talk about this storyline because it only exists in your head. But if you want to be pissed off about something and it not be fair and it not be right, but it makes you sick and you're tired of hearing about it. And it's been a master narrative your whole life and it's chased you down and it's smothered you. And you want to tell the world about it. Then I got my own narrative. That's like that, but it's not brother versus brother. Generation versus generation. I'm sick of the generation you come from. I'm sick of the attitude error. I'm sick of that being the standard when everyone can tell you the wrestling was not that good. The bra and panty match he brings up versus the women's match. Mm. And then ho, 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 he talks about a piss ant bodybuilder who um, makes every match 
a no DQ match and meanders around the crowd. And I thought, this is why I love Cody Rhodes. This is a man who watches. This is a man who's a fan. This is a man who zooms in. If Triple H does anything in his whole fucking career, he meanders. <laughs> his whole career is one big fucking meandering about. He meanders into a DX gimmick. Oh, man, now he's disrespectful. He meanders into the authority, and now he's old, and, and the next day, it's just all a bunch of meandering. And those matches are not that good. I love Stone Cold Steve Austin. A lot of his matches not that good. And right now I'm in narrative. I'm in storytelling. I'm explaining to you why this Cody Rhodes. I can step out of it later and tell you why I think the attitude there is also being judged inappropriately in some ways. But right now I'm in character. I'm telling you why this works, why it's smart, why it's good storytelling. And he just goes there. And I like the fact that I can both say, I see your point, Cody, and I also think I could destroy it if I wanted to. Because I say the same thing about Dustin Rhodes. I see your point. It fucking sucks that your dad is more charismatic in a way. Never seems like he loves you enough. And that's with or without Cody. So, like, it's a big mystery. Why can't you be a father that makes me feel this type of way? And then here comes Cody, and oh, you can be that father. You just couldn't be that father for me. Mm. So I get your point too, Dustin, but I also think we can come at it another way, as I was just talking about, and maybe undercut that as well. But if we want to be pissy and we want to be petty, Cody's saying, we can, I, I got mine too. I got, I, got this, I got this loaded up. And then we end the way we begin. I love my brother. But you got this kind of vague weaving in and out of the lines because now are we talking about Dustin or are we talking about the attitude there? But we're talking about something that won't go away. Something that was once brilliant has become pitiful and it's begging you with his voice, with his eyes, with everything that it is. Put me out of my misery. Cody says it wants to die. He says you pull from the hip. You pull the hammer back and you blow it away. And then he ends, like I said, I love my brother. Okay. Okay, yeah. Um, I, uh, I, I don't know why I gave out the idea that I didn't like this promo. Uh, I did like it. I could... Nitpick, nitpick it a little, and I, I probably will, but uh, I liked it when I first heard it, and I like it more thinking back on it, you know, as I, I've kind of rolled it over for the past week. Um, I did definitely dig the Prodigal Son stuff. I liked the way he framed that and kind of uh, refuted, pushed back on Dustin's narrative. I think Dustin, as an avatar for the Attitude Era, is a little miscast, but... It kind of doesn't matter because it lets them tap into the felt sense of the idea rather than necessarily the strict reality of it. I like it because it can segue easily into the Jericho feud, and it absolutely should because there's a guy who actually was important in the Attitude Era. Uh, And I think the Attitude Era is just ripe to be attacked right now because people are sick of the stars of that era coming out. They don't like the style of wrestling in that era as much anymore. Uh, They don't... um, uh, like the values of that era, you know, anymore. They're, they're ready to kind of call out what was problematic in that era. Um, so I think it's actually a really good point of attack to bring that up now and build on that a little more uh, as you move on to that Cody Jericho feud that is certainly coming 
you know, mm. based on everything that they've done so far. Um, I'm a little mixed on taking these veiled shots at Triple H, but uh, I agree. I think it was apt. Um, I do want to say New Japan also tends to make all their big matches no DQ by default, and uh, your buddy Kenny Omega kind of does the same thing, and they also and tend we to called meet. that out on the yeah, show too. Absolutely, yeah. And they tend to uh, meander through time rather than the crowd, uh, you know. But uh, but that's another conversation. One is popular now, and one isn't. Uh, so yeah, there's just a lot that you could put into this. I, I really. I really did like it overall. Like I said, there's a few things you could maybe nitpick about it, but uh, the response has been great. I think it frames the match really well. I'm, I'm very much uh, into this. I like it a lot. Yeah. I, I think we would have the same critiques. But there's one thing I'll say. Everything Cody Rhodes does gets better with time. Mm. But he's not the guy that blows you away up front. But he's the guy that if you're paying attention like he's paying attention – you might not love him, but you're going to come to appreciate it better. You're going to see what is involved in what was what was put together. And then the, the other thing, because I know Dustin Rose is not the avatar for the Attitude Era, but I also say Cody Rose is not or should not be the avatar for Dustin's issues with Dusty Rhodes. I think that's miscast as well. Mm. So I think both of them are working out frustrations. And this, is, this goes back... To why I said, even though things changed with this, it goes back to why I said they just need to beat the hell out of each other one time. Because I don't think they're mad at each other if they really got down to it, but I think they need, they got some aggression they need to work out and, you know, maybe they'll do it for each other. And then the final response to you is I think AEW is very good at playing off of what is trending and trajectory. And I do think they picked up on this is a ripe time where a lot of people want to critique everything about the attitude there. And their products going in a different direction. So I think they're also touching like the right nerve at the right time. So smart for them to do that. I don't know. I feel a lot better about it than I did the first time I watched it. Same thing with Dustin. A lot of this is we're speaking in moments, you know. Part of me wonders are we are, is everything really building to October? Are we purposely not going to give the best that we can give? Because we've already sold out the show. But the thing that I do know, if Cody leaves this match, however it ends with Dustin, just as pissed off and just as um, assertive about we're not going to kind of bow to the attitude there. And Chris Jericho continues to be the voicemail promo talent that he's been. (laughs) When they come together... There's a chance that that's going that's going to tear the fucking house down. Mm-hmm. So, I don't think Chris Jericho. Because let's go back now. I'm glad you said that. I had I hadn't even put this together, but Chris Jericho's whole claim is the company doesn't exist without me. Mm. And why is that when you break it down? Because I was in the Attitude Era. I was a star back then. I was a star when The Rock was a star. I was a star when Stone Cold was a star. And not only does that make me better than you. I really don't acknowledge that any of you exist. Like, you're just there. You bring no talent. You bring no uh, name value. You bring nothing because nothing has ever happened in the wrestling world since my era. So, I do think very well we are ta- we might be taking the long road to the right feud. And if we're doing that, if we're doing that, then that's a million 
props and points for them because everything doesn't have to run straight into each other. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think one thing about Double or Nothing is it doesn't really matter that they sold out the show already because they are very much selling every future show that they will yes. ever have with this show. So they can't afford to take it easy to not be as on top of this as they possibly can. Uh, yeah, they can't back off at all. They got to really put their best foot forward here. So I, I hope there's no aspect of that, even in the conversation. That's a good point. I just, I'm, I'm trying to sort out in my head. Is Dustin and Co- versus Cody happening because it's the best thing that you can do right now with things, other things coming? Or does this, like, if you, if you, you have a blank slate and we know Cody has that in AEW and you can do anything in the world and you want to do the best thing you could ever do right now and it's, and that's Russell Dustin, then that's a little bit worrying. <laughs> so. <laughs> well. My only counter to that is, again, just look at the reactions that people have had. I don't disagree. Yeah, Yeah. if they sense that this is the match that people wanted to see and they gave it to them, I can't fault them for that. I can't either. That's awesome. Yeah, that's 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 true. Um, so, and maybe I see that more because I didn't realize how much this had already been done in WWE. So you know, there was the evidence that people wanted to see this, and they never got to do it the way they wanted to. So. That convinced me that we're going to go into while I'm going to have a lot of complaints. Also, it just lined a lot of things up for me. So it also did, it also did some good value. It had some good value there. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. That was really kind of my hope when I sent it over. Um, cause yeah, I can definitely tell I enjoyed this one, uh, a bit more than you did, but, but more than that. Yeah. Just, just looking at that frame and then even looking forward because yeah, this is a match that over and over again was teased that people wanted to see even happened a few times, but it would max out at like six, seven minutes. And WWE's like, eh, well, we don't really want to, you know, we don't really want to do this. You know, we'll do it a little, but you know, so you get that kind of frustration and, you know, nothing builds anticipation like frustration. Um, you know, mm. if you are robbed of seeing the thing you want to see over and over again, then you're really, really going to want to see it in the end. So uh, I think they're, they're playing off that. To a big extent. Okay, so I'm gonna skip a lot of my grievances because I've already spoken to how I feel about Triple H several times. I will say, <laughs> if you're an NBA fan and you know the Lakers dynasty, Triple H and Stephanie Stephanie McMahon to me are the Jim and Jeannie Buss of the wrestling world. They are the children that come along, and they run it because they are the children and they look like children. And it's hard for me to watch it. Knowing that there's really no viable option to go to watch Triple H and Stephanie talk down to a family that they don't really appreciate and they don't really book them right. And knowing that in real fucking life, Cody Rez is going to go to the same man and try to tell him, I want to try to be Cody Rez. I want to try to be a main eventer. And he was going to say, play your roles amid Carter was going to be his response. Yeah. You know, it's hard for me to sit back and watch what reality was and the whole angle. Like I get the angle. But, like, if the Rhodes family lost their jobs, number one, they would probably have some money, and number two, they could go somewhere else. The world does not end at your fucking front door. <laughs> Hopefully you're learning that. But, yeah, so I had to work through all of that. If it didn't have the video package to go with it, maybe um, it would have been better for me. I literally considered trying to find a version that didn't have that because I, I wondered <laughs> if it would have that effect on you. Uh, I just got – I don't have the disbelief skills. Like, I people – there are people I meet in my life who are amazed – 
in my imagination. But my imagination is not equipped to handle what WWE puts in front of me. <laughs> I like the promo. I'm going to say this. Dusty was okay. Dustin was good. And Cody Rhodes, to me, fucking won the night with the, in the promo battles. Mm. That was some good good stuff. So mm. Cody had the... Um, well, we, we talk about the families at stake, which is the theme. But he says, you will remember the American Dream Dusty Rhodes. You will constantly be reminded of Cody Rhodes, and you will never forget the name of Goldust. Mm. So nice sequence there. Um, but Cody Rhodes, he talks about losing the company that he works for and says, but what about the company I stand with right now? Talks about his mom and what she's about. And that was the only time out of all of this leading up to the match that I felt like reality playing out a little bit. Like he is in the company of the fucking Rhodes family and he is the next in line. You're not going to shake him that easily. And again, I came into all of this last year. You got to understand. There's no way. I, I've got to do my Cody Rose tribute soon. And I've been waiting to do it for weeks. I never put it together. But I went to a show in Greenville, North Carolina years ago. Such a small show that it's like you're sitting on the ring apron. The only reason I went, ironically, was to see Dean Ambrose. He wrestled Bray Wyatt. Didn't even enjoy the match. I did not come to see Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes didn't exist in my mind. Maybe I saw the mustache before. Maybe I saw um, Stardust, but he didn't exist. And he's out there in a tag team. And I left that building. And I've said this a lot. But I left that building. He made eye contact with everybody in that building. What he did, the purposefulness and the vibe and the presence to me was like 10 times above anybody else I saw that day. And I had no desire for that. That was not a narrative that even could be formed. If you told me to write fiction about that show, I couldn't have made that up because he did not exist on my radar. And I left my brother, my older brother. We have very different opinions of wrestling. We both left talking about him. And here's this same young man who's being uh, booked, scripted, fired again and again. They can't win their job back. They keep losing. While at the same time, he's probably already seeing some of the stuff that we're going to find out. And he stands in that promo, the least of those three men at that time, the least of those three men. And he might be standing the most flat-footed in that promo. That was good stuff. So now we're going to go out there and we're going to have Dusty Rose in the corner of Cody and Goldust, first time teaming up to take on The Shield. And The Shield is Dean Ambrose in the corner as U.S. champion. And then we got Seth Rollins. And Roman Reigns, and it was nice to watch an era where Roman Reigns could actually like take offense and like sell, and then he wasn't just the big dog, he was a wrestler. So that was nice. Okay, they're all lined up. They're doing their thing. I'm going to take a pause, because I kind of told you what bothered me, told you a little bit about what I was impressed with. Back in the day, no AEW, uh, no Cody Rhodes that we know behind the scenes, just this storyline. What was Miss fans was Miss Fan watching? What was he impressed with? What was going on? I think 2013. Mm. Yep, yep. Uh, for anyone who hasn't caught it, we are talking about yeah, Cody Rhodes and uh, Goldust taking around the Shield Battleground 2013. Pretty pretty well known match, I think. Pretty well remembered match. 
what was going on with me? Man, I, I couldn't even begin to imagine off the top of my head. I know in my wrestling, um, you and I, I think maybe we're already doing. Uh, mm-hmm. I think uh, 12 and 13 we were doing. Yeah, the, uh, the, 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 the show whose name I'm blanking on. What did we call it originally? Impact the Revolution. Impact the Revolution. Yes, yes, sir. So, uh, in some ways, I was already segueing away from WWE. I'd been getting less and less interested in what was going on there, but uh, there were still moments that were capturing me in, and this was definitely one of them. Um, I don't even know if I had a strong connection to Dusty Rhodes and to the Rhodes family before this match. Um, I didn't really maybe even know them that well yet. Uh, I knew of them somewhat, but... uh, not nearly as much as I know now, because at the time I really was uh, still very much centered on WWE for the most part, and it's not really part of the narrative, especially at that time. But something about this, something about the, the, the promos that Dusty cut in advance of this, something about seeing the family stand up together, seeing Goldust after many years of being uh, not anywhere, really, you know, of having uh, kind of very low-end runs with WWE, of having very... Uh, unmemorable runs in other places coming back. And I remember they, they put him against Randy Orton. It was meant to be a one-off and he was so damn good that mm. they, they turned around and they said, Oh wait, we remember you're Dustin Rhodes. You're a fucking legend. And now you, you've got all your shit together. Finally, you know, cause God knows he had a lot of personal issues to deal with over the years, but like, he came in, and he almost never looked better. So they're like, let's do some more. Let's figure out something more to do. And this this is one of the main outcomes of that. And just something about it, I will never forget. Um, I think, yeah, Dean Ambrose, you mentioned, uh, he spends a lot of this match mouthing off at ringside and going off on Dusty. At one point, I believe, approaches him threateningly. Dusty Rhodes takes <laughs> off his belt, yeah. wraps around his hand, He's ready to go. The Shield comes over. Cody and Dustin come over, and they have just this epic stare down for the ages. And you that's the moment that I remember where it's like, oh, this isn't a match. This is a fight. This is a war. They're, they're fighting over the soul of the Rhodes family here. And, yes, it's in the WWE, and it's contrived to some extent. If you want to step back, it had a lot of stuff that, who knows, maybe didn't even really need to be there. But, man... There was something authentic at the core of this, and I think it was just the soul of the Rose family knitting itself together in a way that it never had been done before, at least on at least on television. I don't know. It resonated so strongly with me, and thinking back on moments like this is what really helped sell me on Dustin coming in because there is just this incredibly strong connection here. And uh, if they want to play off that, I can't tell them that they're wrong because there is something, something at the core of this that really works. I really appreciate that backstory because, like I said, we're coming from it in a separation of seven or eight years, and that helps. Uh, I will get into it in a moment. But there's like five things that or so that just tie in so well with with what AEW is doing. But the Dustin thing, I think, might be a connection because I have never been as big a Dustin fan, even though I'm I'm not not as well. So, but I think this is in some ways Dustin's night more than anybody's because, like you said, he had been put away, he had had his issues, 
And the one thing they always rightfully say is when they talk about Dusty's charisma, they talk about Dustin's natural ability in the ring. And Cody's not bad at this time, but, you know, he's moving. It's kind of awkward at times. When Dustin comes in, it's just straight sequence. Like, the way he moves in a wrestling ring is poetry. Mm, so, yeah. seeing that and seeing that as his return. And then there are just all these weird AE. Like, like this, this, they did a great job of setting up the AEW match if that was their goal. <laughs> right? It's almost, uh, yeah, 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 exactly. Michael Cole says something. This is not a straight quote, but it's close. At the beginning, Goldust, who was an important part of the Attitude Era, the most important time in wrestling. I was like, whoa. Like, the only reason you could be adding on that statement is just to, like, support what they're doing in 2019, but you're probably not. Uh, I love Dean Ambrose. He's outside yelling, make his sister feel it. Make his mother feel it. Yeah. And Dusty Rhodes is standing, like, two feet from him. And then you're right. Dusty Rhodes takes the belt off, and eventually he, they do have that standoff. And, again, it's Cody Rose who's touching Dusty. He's got his hand kind of, um, don't, 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 don't go forward. But, and it's Dust, Dustin standing there with them, but he's not touching anybody. And even that is interesting. And then Dusty will get that belt buckle on, uh, on Ambrose's face before it's over. And then there's a moment, not to skip because we can go back, but at the end of the night, wrestlers come out on the ramp and the road family's embracing. And when Dustin hugs Dusty, it goes on so long. And it feels like it's Dustin. Like, I got you, and I'm not going to let you go. Yeah. yeah. You know, so there's something that no matter how true or not true, there's something very pitiful and sad. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean it in a we all have we all have that Dusty Rose. It might not be father. It might be something else. We all have that. And dust, it's the through line from WCW to WWE to AEW of Dustin and Dusty, God, that's like one of the biggest reasons I didn't want to see him is because those angles, like he brings such bad vibes when he's going to these places because these places, the wounds still feel so real. And Cody is that guy who's kind of prancing around, not knowing better. Like, oh, well, this is just what it is. Like he doesn't need to hug hug Dusty for that long because, you know. It's probably been a lifetime thing with him. Mm-hmm. So I'm seeing all these things. It was in some way Cody gets to go forward and have a career. But I think switching the narrative, listening to you, and making it about Dustin makes the match mean more in how I view it. That's good because, yeah, that was a big part of it for me. I think everyone assumed that Goldust was done, basically, you know, like, he hadn't been around, when he was around, he wasn't that important, uh, and it was, it was kind of a sad story, you know, because, like, here's this guy, he had all this potential, he was going to be WCW champion, came over and he had this really high gimmick, but it wasn't really, like, a world championship gimmick, and then, uh, you know, stuff happened, and his gimmick got weirder, and his life sort of fell apart, he became less important, and, you know, he would always be memorable but he was sort of he was sort of done um and then yeah he just came back and it was almost miraculous honestly um because he'd been good even before this i think like some of his earlier runs he had already shown that you know he was kind of good again but it almost didn't matter because his narrative was set and he came in and with the help of like matches like this i think he really changed his narrative i think if you didn't have this run people wouldn't be excited about Dustin Rhodes, you know, coming to wrestle Cody, 
uh, one last time, potentially, in AEW now, but, but you do have this, and it did change the narrative, it changed the legacy of not just Dustin, but of the Rhodes family, and I think it's really cool, I think it did that in a very authentic way, and I think we kind of did watch the family sort of put itself together on screen in real time, because yeah, you know, they had had their estrangements, they had had their problems, and then yeah, you get to see something like Dustin hugging Dusty in a way that, you know, almost it couldn't have been possible at one time, and yeah. It's great. It's really cool. Like, that's the kind of stuff that gets to me. Yeah. It's, it's how good these promos are, too, in AEW to me, because mm. good storytelling. Like, all I all I beg for is good storytelling. And when I really get it, I halfway want to say, no, I don't really want that. No, thanks. <laughs> because good storytelling is fucking impossible. Because there are elements in life where a lot of, even ways we feel about ourselves, ways we feel about the people we don't like, the people we care the most about, it's never just going to click and stay the way we would like for it to click and stay. There's always going to be things that hurt. There's always going to be things that didn't quite line up. And that's part of what I get in their promos. Like, I don't blame Dustin Rhodes for feeling like he does about Cody Rhodes. Mm. But he's all, that does, also doesn't mean he's justified. And I don't blame Cody Rhodes for feeling like he does about the attitude there, but that doesn't mean that he's justified in everything that he said. Like, people have their perspectives based on their worldview, based on what they're born into, based on what they experience. And even that hug with Dusty, it's like you're almost hugging him too much and too hard. And yes, it is a feel-good makeup moment, but then what is the irony that if they're putting it together in real time, it takes pro wrestling to bring you together, but you're also kind of mad at him for doing pro wrestling, which is what kept you apart. So nothing fully, it's never going to be a puzzle that if you just put the pieces in the right place, you got that, frame it, and keep it like that. And so every time it comes back to this, it worries me, because Dustin, too, reminds me there's always a sadness that's beneath what he's about. Whether that's his life or his character, there's a sadness. Even the... Like, the vulnerability, not knowing what they went through, for him to come into WCW as a Dusty Rose lookalike, mm. <laughs> well, yeah, what is the cruel fucking irony of that? Like, you, you were spit out of the mouth of the man who probably caused you the most pain, and you want to be in the sport that separates you from him, and all you're ever really going to be, despite, despite the fact that I'm eight, nine, whatever, very young, and watching Dustin Rose and Steve Austin, I don't have the language, but what I'm saying is this is a fucking classic and these two are stars. But you really still, you're just, you're Dustin Rose. Dusty Rose is on the announce table and booking and you're Dusty Rose's son and you look just like him. And then, you know, we know the story, so I'm not going to bother people with it, but you become gold dust. You know, is this just a mockery of the family? And it becomes legacy. It becomes legend. It becomes groundbreaking. It becomes color, it becomes life, it becomes your escape and your prison. And what is Cody Rhodes at this time? Who the hell knows how old he is, how young is he? And then all of this with Cody Rhodes. Again, if pro wrestling is the only thing that brings them together, and Dustin feels like I went to everything that you were doing, I supported you, you never said thank you, never said I love you, and then you come to WWE, the only place that ever puts our family together is the wrestling stage, and WWE is not good enough for you. The place that where I made it, 
is not good enough for you. The error that I'm about is not good enough for you. You need it better. You need it bigger. You separate. You are the son who goes away now. And you spend everything. And yet you just keep getting and getting and getting. And I am going to come where you are. Where your president, where your power, where your potential, where your future. And I am going to speak to you in ways that are uncomfortable. I'm going to call you spoiled. I'm going to see you as a child. And these two men, these two men, because that's what they are. I'm not, I don't even know in 2013 if they were these two men. Mm. Cody might not have been there. These two men are getting in the ring together. And maybe I, that wasn't my first choice. But I have no idea what they're going to do to, to each other. But it feels like one of those times where the wrestling ring is exactly what it needs to be. Because why in the world in this universe do we have a ring? Because everything I just said, short of killing each other, short of having feuds that you, you'd be better if you killed somebody. This is what the wrestling ring is for. Get in there and get this out. And I don't know how I'll feel about the booking. But with your convince me with everything we talked about, I feel proud to be able to witness the continuation of this family and their story and hopefully a progression past some of the worst of the scars. Yeah. I think um, if you take any second or multiple generation star, if you put them all on a big dartboard and you threw a dart, you'd probably hit one with a sad story to mm -hmm. some extent. Uh, because wrestling is not good for families. It's terrible, mm. actually. Um, but I think a lot of times you would also find uh, some kind of redeeming story, some kind of happiness that came out of it all. Um, wrestling is a poignant business a lot of the time, um, but uh, I think there is a lot of good that comes out of it, and um, I, I like the way you've engaged with all this. You said a lot of the stuff that I also thought of. You've said some new stuff that I can think over. I, I think, uh, yeah, thinking about this match, this run, uh, this period, everything that's led up to this is just going to enhance the match. So I'm going to bear all of that in mind, and I'm just going to see what they come up with. And I think uh, it's really going to deliver when we get down to it. Yeah. So often the only time we talk about wrestling being at work is to make it inferior to other sports or other entertainment. But this is a moment where... It, that evidence to me is why it can be better than anything else. Yeah. Because they are going to get out. No matter what, we might be the two biggest. Like, I'm not even going to use the words because I can't stand using them. But, you know, we're so buying into the story. Look at us. But, yes, there's going to be real shit in there because it's two brothers and everything we just said. And yet they get to choose how the narrative ends. So in some ways you get the best of both worlds, and I am looking forward to witnessing that. My God, the Rhodes family, and you make you make more out of people after they die, yes. But at the same time, what they are doing, Dusty Dusty Rhodes is one of the linchpins, and the only reason that I do this. So, and I am hardly the only one. We're gonna talk about the NWA. There are some of us that only exist as wrestling fans predominantly for things that happened 20 and 30 years ago. And I used to be like, if Dustin or Cody could do something that is like one third 
of what Dusty does, then let's all be proud. And to me now, they're not Dusty Rhodes, and they shouldn't be, but they are working at the same level as Dusty Rhodes. They are peers of Dusty Rhodes. And the, the, the cliche is, oh, well, he's looking down and he's seeing this. But there are times at a felt sense level that whether you believe in a looking down or not, it, you think there's so much goddamn emotion being emoted that it has to evoke the spirit of this person to pay attention wherever they are. And if that would be a, such a thing, they are evoking the spirit of Dusty Rhodes. And I am proud of everybody involved in this. Yeah, same, same. Man, okay. So... Tomorrow, um, the doc says he will be talking NWA as well, and he he and I, I'm not going to say we have differing opinions because I did not watch it. I, I would have to watch the show again, and I partly don't want to, but he said it was a great main event and a great card, and I, I kind of came back and said, I agree with you about the main event. I don't know how you assess the card to be great. He, he alluded to good storytelling, but he said, we can take it up in podcast. I'm going to talk about it in my podcast. You can listen to that. So, and I I am giving this an incomplete as far as my point of view, and I'll get into that. But I'll be glad to listen to him, and I'll be glad to think it over. And I also, at the end, I won't bring Billy Corgan into the conversation because there's some things that need to be said. Okay. Crocky Cup, buddy. April yeah. 26th. Let's go. I don't know. Where are we going? <laughs> Uh, well, um, this, this has kind of been your thing more than mine, uh, okay. this NWA stuff, but I will say, I don't know if I would call it a great show overall. There were definitely some problems with it, I thought, um, but I did enjoy watching it. I'm glad we took the time to watch it. Uh, I want to highlight three pairs of people who I thought deserve, uh, a lot of praise for the good stuff on this show. Uh, one is, uh, Willie Mack and Cole Cabana who I thought put on a really great performance for that national title, and I want to give a lot of respect to both of those guys. One pairing is PCO and Brody King, who I thought, uh, if not stole the show, then damn near stole the show. Once again, uh, just uh, one of my favorite tag teams out there, two super talented guys who just sort of randomly thrown together but have really uh, made a point to mesh well and uh, really stand out and uh, do a lot of good work. And then, of course, the main event, Marty Skrull and Nick Aldis, uh, delivering above and beyond even what I really kind of expected slash hoped that they would do, put on a great match to uh, to round out the night. So uh, I definitely want to shout out those three pairs just to start and say, yeah, I did enjoy the show overall. I don't know about a great show. That's maybe a little too far for me, but uh, a lot of good things on the show, and I, I do appreciate that. Yeah. That's partly why I would have to watch it again. Because I, I not only was I watching it, but I was watching it and taking notes, which is a it's a it's a chore beyond watching a show. <laughs> True. So I became tired, and I think for me the best things on the card were um, mostly what you mentioned. But then I would say I think one of my favorite matches, if not my favorite beyond, beyond the title match, might have been earlier in the card. Oh yeah. I'm trying to find – I don't know if I have the notes for them, but um, Bandito and Flip Gordon, uh, Flip Gordon versus Stuka 
and who did he team? Uh, Stuka Jr. and Guerrero Maya Jr. Yep. That match to me was, and not, and it was because of the team that I did not know. <laughs> because they, of the, the CMLL good. team is that the team that yeah. got you? They I, did great. Yeah, that um, beyond the three I talked about. Yeah, that probably would be uh, one of the next ones up in terms of uh, a match that really delivered. Um, I'm a big fan of yeah that they brought in some guys from Japan from Mexico and I thought yeah the, these two guys they delivered a lot. I knew they would. I had seen them before and uh, yeah I thought if anything I kind of wanted to see them advance more than the other team to be honest. So that's yeah. that's just my opinion. So this is why I was, I'm going to say real quick, part of it's my problem because I got tired before a lot of the really good stuff happened. Mm. So I didn't watch that stuff as closely. But part of it is in many ways the fault of the NWA. Mm. So I thought the way they booked the brackets was poor. Like one bracket would kick the other brackets ass really, really badly. <laughs> and I thought part of what turned me off and zapped my energy is it felt like it was a night about um, – Two guys whose names I they're written down, but I've, I've done forgot them. Uh, but they, the guys yeah, who won yeah. the battle royal. Definitely the low point of the night for me was, uh, yeah, Royce Isaacs, who mm-hmm. I've never even heard of before, and uh, Tom Latimer, who's a guy who's kind of failed out of WWE, failed out of TNA, failed out of any number of places. And if you watch tonight, you probably understand why, because uh, I think he's just extremely unmemorable uh, and I don't know why he keeps getting these regular bookings. Um, but yeah, you have this team and uh, they win this battle Royal over teams that people actually know and can maybe care about. And then they go through and they just have, yeah, kind of like nothing matches all night yeah. and commentary doesn't know how to talk about them. Oh, there's Cinderella story, but they're mm-hmm. also cheating and yeah. we don't like, you can't characterize them cause there's nothing to characterize. Like, it just there's nothing really there. It's very shallow. So yeah, they they were very much the low point. I have no idea why they were put into this position. So very weird. It's so strange. Nothing matches. Nothing personalities. And the whole night is about them. In that this is the non ring of honor team that looks like they're winning the night. Mm. Why not at least have this as some lovable baby faces? Right. Yeah. I mean. That was the weird thing, because, yeah, if you're going to have a team, they're wrestling, like, four matches in one night, they're going to, like, fight against the odds and get to the finals, then why the hell, yeah, are they not some, like, babyface team that you could actually invest in? Instead of these weird, like, nominal heels who, like, cheat a little bit, but also they have no personalities, so you don't really know what they're about, and, like, they're weirdly aligned with Medusa for no reason. and just, No reason. Like, what, what, what was the point of any of it? Yeah, that... That was by far the biggest miss to me. Okay, and then the next thing I will say, and that's a, that's a big miss. I just want to make that clear. Because oh, yeah. Those four matches out of the night yeah. just devoted to these guys. If you book nothing. the right team there, then I have a completely – I might be able to get with Doc about great because I like the other bracket. Like right. I love the fact that you know we're going to get the PCO. PCO is a fucking legend right now. Oh, yes. Brody King – and also, whether I really care about the Briscoes or not, I, I understand this feud. I understand Ring of Honor. I understand they're doing things that are mattering to, like, right. stories going forward. Like, that whole bracket's working itself out. The problem is you could not have more poorly booked the other team to do what they're doing. So that's a big one. And then I've never used the word pornography like this. So it might not be the right. Uh, <laughs> what, when are we celebrating legends? And when are we... I don't even know what the right word is, but 
they made me sad and sick at times as a as a fan to try the way they trotted out some of these people. Mm. Like I don't know what was wrong with Medusa. I don't know if that's just how she is or if she was fucked up on something or what. Yeah, that was very strange. That was hard for me to watch. Then there's other they're just dra- like I don't know sometimes. Like are you putting these people in there? I understand why they want to be on TV and I understand honoring them, but I don't know if you're always putting them in their best light. And so they would just bring people out, and I'm like, I don't know if I'm ready to talk to talk about, you know, cancer and this man, or the rock and like somebody else said, put the rock and roll express. I can't remember if it was with Bandito and um. Yeah, Coach and, uh, Team Farrell said he wanted to see that. Match. Yeah, but you know, <laughs> I do like. There's a certain age where maybe it can be WWE sympathetic. Oh, Ric Flair's getting, you know, but them getting beat up like that to me was not provocative it was off-putting like if you saw that anywhere you would just call the cops or do something (laughs) like someone's beating up their fucking grandfather and bleeding him so like it didn't really trend i would much rather see them wrestle i will i'll say the other team the the cmll team you know but because they can still do frankensteiners they can still move so like you know showcase them like that and then have like like, that kind of celebration but Mm. some of it was gross to me and the Medusa stuff, my, it was just, it went on so long, and it was so good. And then she's the manager of that team, and there was no reason. And again, are they heels? I guess they're heels, but they're having a Cinderella story, and they evoke nothing from their felt sense, from what they look like, from what they wrestle like. Mm. So, it, this all sounds really bad, but then there's going to be a lot of stuff we get to that is really good, but I'm just saying I can't, I can't not know about this stuff as well. Yeah, I mean, uh, definitely a lot of legends coming out just kind of to be there. Some work better than others. Um, yes. I actually, I didn't necessarily mind the Rock and Roll Express match just because they've been so, like, it felt very authentic to, like, their original career because they would always just get beaten up, um, you know, and just they can still take that beating, I guess. It wasn't the greatest thing ever. Didn't bother me as much, but, man, the Medusa stuff, weird. Yeah, I, I really have no idea. It's strange doubly because she's, like, wrestled a few times for WWE recently. And she seemed fine, so I don't know if, yeah, this is just like a one-off, or just maybe don't give her the microphone, or what. Yeah. Maybe she was on something, who knows, you know, maybe just having a bad night. Who knows, but that was weird. Somebody should have pulled the plug on that, you know, uh, a long yeah, time. You before, send somebody in or yeah, something. For sure. After her first promo, she said, okay, we're not doing this weird thing where you manage the team, because <laughs> there's no reason, and you shouldn't go out there right now, so very strange. I get that she is with the Dangerous Alliance and things like that too, but like she's known for being, a, I would say, above all, babyface uh, wrestler. Yeah, and maybe not even that, but yeah, like the stuff she's known for was definitely not what we were seeing. So yeah, I, I don't yeah, really so, understand the point of it except to give like uh, a legendary person something to do, and that's not good in and of itself. The thing I will ask at the end of this is is uh. Is Billy is Billy Corgan a cheapskate? And does he need to? That's gonna be my question. Is it that, because the only reason that I could justify that team is because you didn't want to pay anybody. But that team's so integral because not only could you have made it all matter, you can make that other bracket matter. But then, my God, if you got a team that is legit having a Cinderella story and you're behind it, and then they run into PCO and Brody King, you got a conversation. But these two nobodies, 
who the least thing that they evoke is that I want to cheer for them. And it hurt my night because it felt like to me, because what will happen is we will get the Briscoes and PCO and Brody King, and we're going to get a DQ, and then we're going to get injuries to PCO and Brody King. And what I'm saying in my mind right then is, okay, so Ring of Honor agreed to work this show, but you can't progress stories, you can't have real winners, and now we've made an excuse for why PCO and Brody King won't win the final match. (laughs) So I'm watching the whole show thinking it's about these jackasses in that other bracket, and that is just killing my vibe throughout the night, and the crowd is dead for a lot of that. And it's funny to me, you want to know if wrestling, if you can qualify some wrestling as good or bad, that is one of the deadest crowds for a lot of the night. And then when, like, legit shit happens, they wake up right with it. Yeah. Yeah, for real. Yeah. Here's something that really bugged me, and you kind of touched on it. Um, There are so many tag teams out there in America. You don't even have to go out, like, abroad for them. Just in America already that are real teams that are not signed anywhere that are probably not even that expensive. So are you cheap or are you lazy to then just yeah. take these two, you know, nobodies who have no significance, no importance, who have never teamed together? And they weren't the only team. There were a whole bunch of teams in here. It was like, oh, they're not a real tag team. Well, then why are they in a tournament Rocky for Cup. fucking tag teams? You know, so like do a tiny bit of legwork. This is why I really don't respect the NWA that much. I got to be honest. Like, even for some of the good things they've done, beyond, like, their very top-level stuff, there just seems to be no effort there to actually go out, find good talent, use good talent. Like, you stumble on one or two people who were already made somewhere else nine times out of ten. You're not making anybody new. You're just, like, grabbing the first random scrub that you found, and you're saying, oh, well... Now you're somebody, but you're not actually putting any work to make them somebody. So there are a lot of real tag teams out here that could have been in this that would have been a lot better than some of the people we got. So that that's one complaint that I definitely have. Yes. And the reason I want to – they want to be in the spotlight now because they put on this show. Uh, Billy Corgan, was I was on the Busted Open, I think, with Bully Ray. And Bully Ray and his partner just blowing Billy Corgan about the, the NWA show and how good it was. Uh, but what I heard, and at first I was like, fair critique, but they want to put a show soon. We're going to have a show, it sounds like, either on YouTube or on um, Honor Club, an NWA show, so we'll have more weekly stuff. But Billy Corgan made a point several times to say that the AEW spending is a false economy and that wrestling, like, he's not going to go out and spend that kind of money when that's a false economy. And if it proves out... To not be, then you got to do something differently, but he sees that as a false economy. And I was thinking, fair enough. Not everybody has to spend like Tony Khan. That's his business. But that is at least saying that he's thinking a lot about money and what is spendable and what is not. And just based on the talent that he brought in, like some of that was piss poor and it was talent not ready for the, the limelight. And I'm paying, I think, $25 for your fucking show. Mm-hmm. And I don't appreciate that kind of talent. And then on top of that, hearing him talking about money like that, the story that broke just before we came on the air, Willie Mack has now signed a multi-year deal with Impact Wrestling. Mm. So you have, I think you've let Willie Mack walk. Are you out of your fucking mind? The only person that I pay attention to in NWA beyond the world title is Willie Mack. Mm-hmm. So there's something, I'm not saying that, 
I was just saying the same way that we, we keep an eye out on Tony Khan, say, is this WCW? Is he spending too much money? I think we need to be asking, how invested are you in NWA? Like, you don't get to just say, if you care about wrestling and you care about the legendary history of this company, you have to support me now. You got to step up and make it worth supporting now. And letting Willie Mack walk is not a good sign. Nick Aldis posted a tweet that he has now removed from Twitter saying, if you ever wanted to see the evidence of scheming, carny, rustling BS, look no further. Sorry, Willie. They took advantage of you. Mm. How, how did they? That by offering him money? By offering him a multi-year deal? Like, I'd like to know how they did that, but to me, the first question is never the company that signed you. It's the company that kind of you were working for. Like, what happened there? Right. So I'm just put. I'm not not making any strong accusations, but I'm saying I'd like to know the level of commitment we're getting, especially before I ever put another dollar into the show. So for sure, yeah. I mean, I like Cole Cabana. I thought he had a good performance, but man, like you compare him to the upside of Willie Mack, and there's really no comparison right now. I think. Um, so yeah, if you let him go then oops like you probably shouldn't have done that you know honestly here's a talent that people are excited about a lot more than a lot of the people that work for you but then again who the hell does work for you billy morgan like do you you have one employee that's nick aldis like is there because i'm looking at this show and this is a ring of honor show it's not an nwa show like almost everyone on this card is either ring of honor or from ring of honors partners in mexico or japan there's like very few people who could actually claim any kind of like first allegiance to the NWA. So, you know, you don't even really exist. So what is your show going to be? Is it just going to be like a ring of honor, you know, Sunday night heat or something? Like, what are you Mm. doing? So I I, I don't know. It's weird. It is. If I'm going to invest, is your 20 year, 20 year plan. Is that a logical businessman or is that, or is that just admitting at least five or ten of these years really ain't going to count for much. <laughs> because I, I will not watch weekly TV. This is why I can say, too, that if I go back and watch three or four matches, I might be able to say good show or I might be able to say, like, really good stuff. But is there a bigger goal if you order that event than needing, needing the fan to say, I want to see more of this product? And I, I leave with zero zero percent of that because... If I want to watch PCO and Brody King, I'm going to watch Ring of Honor because that's where they actually are. Yep. If I want to watch Willie Mack, I guess I'm watching Impact Wrestling. If I want to watch Marty Skrull, I'm probably watching AEW. Mm-hmm. So what's going on here? And now you're going to start a weekly show. So I like your ring. I like the colors in the ring. That was nice. But Yep, the, the old Crockett aesthetic. I thought yeah. they did a solid job with that. But that really only takes you so far. So, yeah. yeah. And that's part of my problem. Because with Rock and Roll Express, I wasn't that offended. But I'm t- in totality, again, I'd like to know also. Like, I know he's a fan. And I know you're honoring these guys. But how much is honoring? And how much is just like, is this a convention? Is it a museum? <laughs> you know. Like, what are you doing? Like, to me, the greatest way you can honor. Yeah, keep bringing them out and celebrate them. But, like, create something. Like, how many of them would have been stars if nothing was being invested into the company? So we'll see. Right. But he didn't, he didn't come off well. Like, 
and that I did, I did not like him in the interview, and I need to see better from in the direction. And Willie Mack walking is not the next thing I need to see after listening to that. <laughs> right, yeah. I will say, um, you know, time will tell if he's right that, you know, AEW is overspending, but it sure sounds like this is just your excuse. Or like, well, I don't really want to put very much money into this, yeah. you know, or work or time or effort. And I don't really want to look for talent that maybe would be affordable that I could actually yeah. build. I kind of just want to let Ring of Honor be their thing and then I'll give Nick all this uh, video camera and that, that will be my company, you know? So yeah. yeah, it's a true story too, that one company could overspend and you could also underspend. Yeah. Yeah. I don't yeah. want to see, find some balance. It's embarrassing to me. Like have alliances. Like we like that, but to be just like an, a tiny offshoot of ring of honor and be NWA, like if you do that too long, whatever, uh, praise I've given you about kind of building the NWA name, I started questioning if you're just going to be another round of like hurting that legacy again. Right. And he acts like he's so smart about uh, Impact because I know he's got bitter feelings, pitched a lot of things to Impact, but again, cr- critique them all you want, but that it, it comes with a lot more ethos if you're doing something that says, yeah, and look what you missed, Impact. Mm, and yeah. we're not there yet. Nope, definitely not. All right, let's try to talk about some of the good stuff. I want to hear it because I know you love PCO and Brody King, so I do. take me through that night for you with them. Uh, well, I, I was just really glad they were on the card. I was very afraid, like, at all times that they were going to lose because, like I kind of talked about, um, the Briscoes are, like, kind of the anointed Ring of Honor mm-hmm. team, and I thought, oh, they're just going to do another chance to, like, do more for the Briscoes. And I don't dislike the Briscoes. It's just – their act hasn't changed in almost 20 years. So it's like the Briscoes or like something new and exciting, maybe. And I'm very glad that they did actually go with something that was new and exciting. Um, I love their match with the, the new Japan people is my favorite ones on the card. Actually, uh, Yuji Nagata, especially, uh, is a great talent. Um, funny that I think we covered him back in the legacy series as well. So he is again, making that connection, still doing really good work. Um, I uh, enjoyed their match with the Briscoes, even though the ending was, like, super, super lame. Uh, because, of course, yeah, they have to protect the Briscoes in any way they can, because God forbid <laughs> that they should be losing, uh, I guess. I don't know. I don't know what the point of protecting the Briscoes in 2019 is, really. Um, and then, yeah, they got to the finale, which was definitely like the low point of their night in terms of having a fun match because they were in there with, yeah, nobody's. And these guys are like, what a weird thing to make them the underdogs when they're like towering over everyone and their whole gimmick is they're like these incredible murderers who like barely feel pain. So I'm not going to like feel sympathy for them, especially when they're being so flimsily attacked. So weird booking, but uh, still God bless them because I think they made the most of this whole night. And uh, in some ways they were really the stars to me, uh, especially if you take the main event out of the equation like they were absolutely the stars of the tournament i thought absolutely they had to be and the right team winning covers a multitude of sins it doesn't cover all of them but it covers a multitude absolutely because i you won't you won't all fans but i know you are putting on the show because you want to evoke a certain fan group and i know who's won the crockett cup before i know what their status is and so thinking that jackass nobody team was going to be in line with the with the former winners of the Crockett Cup, like it soured my night. 
But then we got a team that can stand up there, and a team that, like, Brody King is a legit, like, badass um, NWA vibe guy, and PCO is having one of the greatest resurgences in the history of the world. So that's a that's a team that deserves it. But it doesn't mean it doesn't mean you have to book the night poorly to get there because again, if they're not injured and they're the monsters, and we got a team you can care about on the other side, mm. like what you should have left here with was PCO and Brody King as Crockett Cup champions and a new made tag team. Yeah. That then I I'd, I'd go great in a heartbeat if that's what you gave me. Mm-hmm. For sure. But at the same time, man, good good on these guys and good on NWA for at least knowing like who the legit team that needs to end this and win this is. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So they get credit as far as that goes. Definitely would have taken a different path to get there, but uh like you said, the right winner it counts for a lot, I think. Yes, it does. It's nice seeing the trophy, nice seeing the you know Something happened. Like, PCO, man, is just, like, give that man all the ribbons. Oh, he's so special right now. I think he either had or will have a title match with Matt Taven. And, man, if they had any balls, if they had any brains, they would just put the title on PCO while they had him. Because, man, you compare, like, the interest in Matt Taven to the interest in PCO, and there's not even a conversation to be had. So, so, yeah. I do respect that. I think one of... Ring of Honor's goals has always been not to get new eyeballs on them. So, <laughs> you know, we'll see. Because we'll people would watch. Like, it might be a one-off. It might not. But people would, you know, people would start talking and people would want to see the match where PCO became a world champion. I think so. I think it really irritates me when wrestling fans are like, oh, well, we can't do that because, like, people will not be interested later on. Maybe, here's an idea, wait for that to actually happen before you, like, decide to shit all over something. Like, if people are excited for something in the moment, sometimes you can just chase that moment and then, like, ride something that's hot until the wheels fall off. And guess what? When the wheels fall off, then you fucking change into a new car, but you wait till it actually happens. You don't have to throw away or never use the car that you have just so you can try to, like, stick with your shitty old car that you know it'll get you to a certain place, but no farther. So there's my little rant about that. Yeah, absolutely. And like guys like Randy Savage, like The Rock, like Mankind, so on and so forth, are, are amazing talents on their own. But when you're Randy Savage and you're coming out of what Hulk Hogan had made and you're all these other guys coming out of what Vince McMahon and Austin had made, like – you get the wheels moving and you get some heat and you get some eyeballs. You don't know who else is going to be made in that time. Mm. So like picking, I'd rather nobody watch or I'd rather it never be hot than it be hot for a moment. Like there needs to be some heat to be doing some making and Matt Taven ain't doing that. No, Matt Taven's doing nothing. So, so good luck. Good luck with that. Indeed. Children. Um, <laughs> I also enjoyed that match with uh, Willie Mack and Colt Cabana. Uh, they're doing a good story with Colt Cabana. He's finally trying to take things seriously, trying to be a wrestler, trying to win some things. So. Yeah, and I only I didn't even think about this so much during the match, but Colt Cabana has got his own ties to the NWA. I'm sure you remember uh, Adam Pierce and the yes. seven levels of hate and all that stuff. So 
it's cool that he gets to be back in that conversation. Um, I think Colt's an underrated guy insofar as, um, you know, I, you've even talked about it a little, like uh, a lot of people now have their, their podcast. They have like their specialized merchandise. They like put out yeah. a lot of creative stuff. And Cole Cabana is very much uh, one of the original driving forces of yes. that. You know, he was doing it in a time when nobody was. So regardless of how you feel about Colt, he's really important to what wrestling is right now. And uh, I think he does bring a lot to the table. So I'm glad he's getting uh, opportunities like this. That's a good point. And you, you moved me a little bit because for all they did wrong in the tag tournament on one side of the brackets, all that underlying stuff, they really did something right by having Colt in that moment then. Uh, they did, except that I, Willie Mack would have been better like to keep him, <laughs> honestly. Yeah. So, uh, But if you have to lose Willie Mack, then yeah, Colt Cabana is not – a bad guy to put in that spot. I think he does bring some positives. Um, here's what I don't really care for. James Storm in 2019 is such a non-entity to me. And I guess some people maybe are still into this, but man, like watching him come out and just kind of look old and do the same, like, Oh, I'm a good old cowboy. Like always <laughs> like, it's like 2003, you know, just lame. I honestly skipped over his promo after the first bit because it was just the same as always, and it seemed to just go on and on and on and on. So I, I was done with that before it started. I said this seven years ago, and I stand by it. You give that man a microphone for more than, like, 30 seconds, and you've done a bad thing <laughs> because he will wander off into whatever world. He wandered off. It was It was not a good look. Uh, I think that he's not as serious a wrestler as I ever would have liked for him to be. Mm. I think that just on paper, Bobby Roode is not that much better than James Storm. That's, that's two people who could have went a different direction. You start throwing intangibles, and then Bobby Roode and James Storm can't fit on a paper together. Right. Because Bobby Roode has one set and James Storm has another. So go out there and shake his hand or kick him. I think his coach said that, and I kind of agree with that. It's yeah, just, yeah. Don't, it's, a, it's, it's a lesser Medusa thing, but man, just it's like the lights were in his eyes and he didn't know what the fuck he was saying. You know, we're going to talk about the backwoods and drinking and like, what does that have to do with the fact that a man just won a championship? Like you had forgotten why you're even out there. Mm, so I, agree, I agree. I agree with that. I did like Cole Cabana going over not a big in the ring handshake or nothing, but just kind of going over there to Willie Mack and they just had like a short little moment on the apron. Yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah, one of Colt's strengths is that he just does seem to be um, this genuinely, like, really good guy. Yeah. I think it's really easy to like Colt for that reason. I agree. I think a lot of people really seem to like and respect Willie Mack as well. So, mm -hmm. yeah. And I don't know if they already knew that if that was a bigger send-off or not. Like, maybe he's losing the belt because he's on his way to Impact. I don't know. Maybe. I'm a little surprised because I saw another thing that Lucha Underground was, like, trying to stop people from using Willie Mack. Or something, but I guess that must be over already. They say, yeah. Yeah, which is good because I don't want to hear any of that shit from Lucha Underground unless you're producing season five. So shut yeah. the hell up about what your talent is doing. If you're not going to come out, don't make that be your legacy even more than it already is. For God's yes. sakes. My God. Yeah, come on. Come even on. Just, just crowdfund and put on a movie and go out like with your head up. Amen. Okay, good stuff. And then. We'll talk briefly. Um, I lost my notes to the world title match, but I don't really need them. <laughs> I, I Yeah, I was going to say, you of all people would not need uh, any notes for this match, I would think. I think for me, 
why did I like the world title match as much as I did? Uh, lots of reasons. Number one, like what you already said, I thought they both outperformed my expectation. Mm. I could very much see, I think Bully Ray might have asked us a little bit, tried to imply maybe Billy, like, couldn't Marty's girl, I know he's popular, but could he have been the kind of NWA champion? Like, could he be what, you know, you guys are about? Uh-huh. Um, and the weird thing was, he was still Marty's girl, you know, but he showed me he understands the context of the world that he's in. So everything about this match was what I needed it to be. So we got Nick Aldis. I may not have time because I'm busy. And this is the last thing in the world, if you're listening to the show, you know that, that I ever plan to do. But LOPForums.com, we may be getting a three-part Nick Aldis series. Wow. And it's not that I like him. I don't like him any more than I ever did. I'm no more attracted to him. But there's a level of respect that I think he deserves. Mm. Because he's doing a lot of shit, and he's not doing it poorly. You can never tell me that this is, this is not a man that knows what he's doing in the ring. Because this match needed to feel like a main event. And you can like it, you can love it, you cannot like it. But it felt like a main event. And Nick Aldis felt like a world champion. He did not feel like, to me, a man playing world champion. And I've seen that at times. Like, there's no nervousness with him. If anything, Marty was a little more shaky to me than Nick Aldis. Like, Nick Aldis knows that brand. If you want, there's a tiny sliver of what I'm saying. And, and we'll, we'll put back it up a little bit. So, we get Tommy Young in the ring. Uh, from the NWA, WCW, the Legacy Series. And he's going to do this thing that people used to do, youngins, where you actually kind of check the boots and the tights. And the and so, you know, you put your arms out so you can check the wrist, the, the tape, the wristbands, whatever. Marty's girl, when he reaches out his hands to check the wrist, Marty's girl at first shakes his hand. <laughs> I don't know what that was, but it was weird. And then Nick, you know, just does it the way it's supposed to be done. But that Nick Aldis is the foundation of this match. I love, like, just the steady presence. I love the bleeding that he did. And if you watched, I watched it back a second time, this time without volume, this morning. And once he is busted, every time he gets an offense, he goes straight for the pin or submission because he's wounded and he knows he's got to get it over with. There's some subtle things like that. I didn't catch that the first time. But he's going for a big move, straight pin. Submission, big move, straight pin. Like, all that. Then he goes up to the top rope and falls in on himself. That's good stuff. And what I like so much about the match is everything that I just praised him about. Marty's girl is, is, is different than that. And yet he brought a different than that that was respectable with the match in the context. I legit laughed out loud <laughs> when Marty's girl got tripped by nobody. And the fans reacted because I thought he got tripped because he couldn't see everything. But that is masterful because if you've been following the storyline, every time he goes for Nick, I'm Car. I'm sorry. I'm blanking on her name. I don't have my nuts. Carmel car. The bodyguard. Yeah. The bodyguard. <laughs> 
stands in the way and he can't do anything about it. He gets her ejected by tripping, falling on his face, selling it. I watch NBA players flop all the time. They do a shit job. I don't know why the referees call it, but I believe Marty Skrull, and I don't believe the NBA players. Mm. He sold that well. And Nick Aldis, the one thing that he does well, too, is he gets pissed off, and then you're going to pay. He starts... He starts putting down some power slams and some moves, and it's all with force because he does not like getting outsmarted, and he got outsmarted. And Marty's girl, who looks a little bit like a joke, a little bit like a little brother, a little bit like he might not be serious enough for this, in that big flopping performance was a very smart thing that shifted the ground out from under them. And so the match goes on, and again, when Nick Aldis gets busted... I like when Marty sits him in that chair and stands on the chair and punches him ten times. I'm watching it the second time from a fan's cam. I don't know sweat or blood or what, but there is a man who has a shaved head who is sitting like right behind them, and he wipes his head twice. So I think when something from them is getting onto this this man in the crowd, mm. that's an NWA title match right there. And Marty's girl, man. The only thing that doesn't have me just standing on the rooftop saying this is one of my favorite matches of all time and is, is Marty's girl didn't win. Mm. But when they go for the submission and he tries to lock up Marty's girl and Marty's girl breaks those fingers, that was a nice touch. It got him out and it also wounded, further wounded my man. And then Marty's girl comes so close and Marty's girl does the fucking crossroads. If man, I was like, for one second, like, are are we in like a trans promotional moment? Is Cody Rhodes involved in this? What is going to happen? Is this belt going to AEW for a minute? But Nick Aldis kicks out. The announcers talk about the submission hold a second time that he can't lock his hands. Can't lock his hands because of the last time he tried. What happened to his fingers? The match was gritty, um, and one guy is certainly not a gritty guy. And it was old school. It's not going to be for everybody, and I know people are not going to like it as much as I did, but I rarely get a match that goes right down the middle to what I respond to. And this was it. The colors were great. The performance. I really thought, like, I go, I went into the show knowing Marty's not going to win. To go into the match, though, Marty's not going to win. And still had a couple of moments where I'm like, Marty's got him. But Marty's de- Marty doesn't have him. And the, the great flaw with Nick Aldis is going to be I'm never going to want to watch him. Unless he's wrestling someone I care about. But man, when he's wrestling someone I care about, he is that guy. Because you don't want him to win. And yet, we're not going to leave this without me saying, who moves more merchandise outside of WWE, not many, than Cody Rhodes and Marty Skrull, who are two of the most buzzed about guys. And we're talking about a show that either we're claiming the owner either doesn't care enough or doesn't put enough money in, that he can't even get proper tag teams for a show that's all about the tag tournament. And yet in that same company and in this same era, Nick Aldis has gone face-to-face with Cody Rhodes, face-to-face with Marty Skrull, 
and he has bested both of them in the NWA. So it was a match I enjoyed because it played to me, but it also just had this special something for me that I wanted to watch it again, and I, I'm not against watching it a third time, and I will do that if I write that series. So I don't know what that little extra is that makes you want to immediately go back to a match, but I felt at home watching it. And both guys are a little bit off my radar for being what what can deliver that. And somehow they came together, being completely different and too much of, of other things, and they knew what the match was, they knew what the moment was, they knew what the belt was, and they delivered in that context. And just hats off to both of them for that. Yeah. Um, absolutely so. Uh, I am not going to offer a lot of commentary, both because I think that's very good and because I really want to get to MLW. Yes. <laughs> um, you will. But uh, I will say, uh, yeah, like I said before, it really overperformed my expectations. I loved the blood. I'm a sucker for a good blade job, and this was a great one. Um, I like the story of it a lot. I agree. Marty Skull did a good job of uh, – kind of recognizing the context and toning down a lot of his shtick. Uh, he still had some in there, but he's still Marty Skrull, so, you know, it's, it's going to happen. Um, Nick Aldis, yeah, I, like, I'm never going to love Nick Aldis either, but he's definitely playing his role right. Uh, the one thing I want to agree with most strongly is I definitely felt like this was set up for a Marty Skrull victory, and I think in a world where and the NWA and Nick Aldis weren't basically uh, synonymous with each other, then we probably would have seen that. But, uh, yeah, Marty's going. Nick, he's not. He's not going anywhere. So, uh, great match. Uh, really well put together. I-, I was very pleased with what came out of it. Yeah, and absolutely, because that's another reason. Like, I really, even if it had been the same thing as Cody, you switch the belt and then switch it back. Mm-hmm. Like, in a world where that could happen, because I, I forgot I even left out. Like, Camille comes back to ringside, and yeah. she's about to put Marty down, and Nick stands in front of her. And this is such a Nick Aldis thing to do where this is like a babyface thing, except it's Nick Aldis, so it's not. It's because he, he's so arrogant, and he's so um, upright in his arrogance. And he, he, that should have been the thing that allowed Marty Skrull. And then you continue these storylines and these characters onward. So, but they can't do that because you can blame Nick or you can blame NWA, but you know it's not going to happen. But the door was wide open for this to continue, and I really wish it had because we would have been whether it's me writing columns or this show, we would have been watching Nick Cody one, Nick Cody two, Nick Marty one, Nick Marty two, and we would have been deciding who did it better. And there may well have been an upset. I don't know. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe good so. times, though. Good times. Cry Cup um, ends well. Uh, if you want to hear a differing opinion, uh, tomorrow, the doc says, um, will be, I'm sure, a, a, a different insight from a different person with a different perspective. So check that out. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we are there. It's MLW Fusion, the Legacy Series. It's the 20 20- thousand dollar bounty um if you remember selena put that bounty on the head of the heavyweight champion shane strickland we get a video recap of that and then we're back to long blood and you want to talk about long blood we're about to see long blood because trey miguel is about to wrestle danny santiago only he's not 
because we see the return. Yes, the return, because MLW existed before this iteration of Teddy Hart. He jumps in the ring and takes out Santiago. Teddy Hart, one of the major players in MLW, has finally arrived on the scene, Miss Fan. Uh, absolutely, I want to talk all about that, but you know that you've skipped something else which needs to be returning this week uh, that is very special to our show. You know what that is. What's that? It's the real top ten. we got to yes. talk about that. First and foremost, before we get to Teddy Hart, which I am eager to talk about as well, but first, the real top ten. All right, let me give it to you. All right, leaving the top ten is Mike Perrow. Member of uh, the Stud Stable, who uh, last week was defeated by Simon Gotch in a $250 prize fight challenge. He's off the list. Sorry, buddy. Staying at number 10, we have Trey Miguel, who we are actually just about to talk about in this match. So a top 10 contender. And number 9, we have Simon Gotch, uh, who is moving back onto the list after uh, having been bumped off it. He is winning those $250 challenges, so he deserves his spot. Number eight, Jimmy Havoc. Number seven, Phoenix. Number six, Barrington Hughes. All mm. three of those staying in their same spots. Moving down from number four, we have Sammy Callahan now at number five. Moving up from number five, we now have MJF sitting at number four. Number three, we have Jack Hager. Uh, Jake mm. Hager, I should say. Number two, Austin Aries. Number one, Filthy Tom Lawler, all of those staying in their same spots. So that will set the table for this first match, which is a newcomer trying to get into the top 10, trying to beat that number 10 man, Trey Miguel. And uh, he's willing to take out Danny Santiago, that wimpy karate man, to do it. So now, now we have the match that is kicking off the show. Absolutely. The top 10 returns, and this is a top 10 that's about to be shuffled, I think. Oh, yeah. This is a big episode for shuffling stuff around. You got a lot of people coming in. You got new feuds starting. You got people winning when they don't usually win. So, and I think it's necessary because part of the reason maybe we don't get a weekly top 10 is because they don't move stuff enough, but we are on board. This is the legacy series. We're paying attention, and Ms. Fan is giving you that weekly top 10 that not even MLW can provide. And it's about to be shaken up because a man unstable like Teddy Hart is going to shake things up. He is not on the ML roster, MLW roster, says Tony Schiavone. Um, he says Teddy Hart, well-known, infamous, youngest assigned to WWE as a teenager and apparently had bad blood with uh, Court Bauer um, in the original iteration of MLW. So this is a man just... Probably nobody wants to see just come in and start taking people out, but here he is. <laughs> I was going to say, Teddy Hart, uh, you probably make a list of people he didn't have bad blood with a lot sooner than the ones he, uh, he mm. did. Uh, it's a guy who, you know, for all his talent, has had a lot, has had a very troubled time in the industry, who has been kind of a famous fuck up, who has misbehaved in a lot of different ways. But yeah, he's here now. He's maybe uh, shown off a new attitude and yet still some of the old attitude because he is breaking into the company he is making his own path he is tapping into some of the the things that make teddy hart teddy hart so there's a there's something cool about that i I hope he can uh i mean he's held it together this past year you know we know he's still in there doing it so it seems like he's on a good track for once i really like that yeah troublemaker is something you could call a child or it could be it could be also be something that you say in a way that carries a lot of weight. Like, you know, 
my life is stable, but this is the person that comes in and breaks up what is solid, and he's not going to get a free pass, though, because we're, what's going to happen is he's going to take out San, Santiago, and we're going to get a match, which I thought, my, as my notes from about a month ago says, was a damn good encounter between Teddy Hart and Trey Miguel. Yeah, yeah, I thought this was good as well. Uh, you get two talented guys. They're both uh, athletic. Teddy Hart known for having really unorthodox moves, showing off some of those in here. He does get the victory with a Canadian destroyer off the top rope. Gets mm. that victory. Very cool. My only real complaint here is even though Teddy Hart is not on the roster, they still have his signature music ready to play after the match. So I don't know about that. If it's going to be unexpected, maybe play that up a little more strongly. But still, I like the Teddy Hart tier. It was a good match. I have a great complaint. Somewhere on these notes, I say that MLW and I have the same vision, maybe. But I don't know how much how I feel about their creative and their um, execution. Because we're going to get the Hart Foundation portrayed in a, somewhere in this show. Oh, yeah. The fucking Hart Foundation. But yet, this man just walked onto the show. And I've been waiting. Like one of the biggest, re- two of the biggest reasons we were doing this is because I wanted to see uh, Black Friday management and how that went. And that's had a couple of moments I enjoyed, but not where I wanted. And then to see the Hart Foundation come together, and lo and behold, they're together as soon as Teddy Hart's there, if not sooner. And I don't understand that. And I'm getting tired of things moving like that. But mm. alas. Yep, uh, that's one complaint that we've had is that uh, people who watch Fusion don't seem to be privy to everything that's happening in MLW yet. As far as I know, this is the only distribution MLW has. So maybe play to your YouTube audience before you play to whoever's coming to your live shows, you know, only uh, if you're even having them, which I'm really I'm not even clear about because you're not explaining it well. (laughs) Uh, I'm really starting to like um, Kodo. He's walking into the building. And they're talking about the match with Swan. Um, he says, I can't keep taking L's. So a lot yeah. of pressure on him. We'll you know see why? Because he wants to get on the real top ten. That's why. Yeah, that's a good reason. Yeah, it's a very good reason. Maybe, maybe bump um, Austin Aries and his one uh, appearance down. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, spoiler, I am definitely making a rule that if you have not wrestled in the last ten weeks, you are gone out of the top ten. So we're mm. going to see a new number two at the very least next week. I am excited to see where that goes. We did see, um, I think, it's ACH versus... Very good match early in the series. Yeah, first, first match of the whole series, I think. It was very yeah. good, and Austin Aries hasn't been seen since, so I don't know if he's coming back or not, but uh, he's definitely losing his spot because he's not on the show this week. The rumor being that he was ran out of town by Sammy Callahan. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Teddy Hart is backstage making more trouble. He prays that MLW has the balls to book him. Um, apparently, they do. You're inside of a group. Uh Already, bud. So it's looking good for you. <laughs> Causing trouble. He's he reminds me of um the, the situation from the Jersey Shore. Who was like, <laughs> you know, troublemaker. Nobody liked. And you wonder like, like you do it to your own detriment as much as to anyone else. Mm. And so it's troubling as a human being when that's happening. But there's something about a character like this that you kind of have to pay attention when they're up there, and especially. What made me attracted me to the um, heart, the new Heart Foundation, is he's he's almost like the Godfather, and not that, but the father figure of the group. Mm. So like, 
what is to become of a group when Teddy Hart is like the father figure? Yeah. <laughs> so we'll yeah. see. Yeah, Teddy Hart not exactly a stable persona to uh, to have in that role. Um, yeah, he he's jawing with ACH and Rich Swan. <laughs> it's really funny because he he's standing back there and he's complaining like, "Oh, I have so much heat in the back. I, I don't know why, you know." And then he goes over to ACH, who's not mad, who's not aggressive to him at all, and he starts like yelling and swearing at him. And I'm like, "Why do you think you have heat in the back, buddy? Yeah. <laughs> you got to go and uh, make that trouble, you know." There you go. That, and yeah, and that's exactly what I mean. Is I think he will leave that scenario thinking even more like, oh, they really don't want me here. But you know, <laughs> you created it. Yep. And you watch that motherfucker though, because people that move like that, you know, and fuck, I mean, Bret Hart for God's, oh sorry. Um, are we done? Uh, is Parker next, or do we have anything before that? Uh, I just want to say, uh, Teddy had a really good line at the end of this, saying that. Uh, ACH and Rich Wine, yeah, they were watching him when they were kids, and that's why mm. they got good. I thought that was a good line. That's a good line. Yeah, and also highlights, yeah, Teddy Jarrett is actually from a totally different generation than uh, really all the rest of these guys. Because, mm. you know, he's around kind of in that first indie boom uh, after, uh, like you said, he was in the original MLW, and that was like 15, 20 almost years ago. So, yeah, really, really different era he comes from. It gives him a different perspective. I don't want to um I don't want to divulge how much I know about the Jersey Shore. Um <laughs> Go ahead, but, it's a safe space. Okay, because I'm here. I, I won't I'm know here what you're talking about, but please go ahead. Okay, so MTV reality show with a bunch of folks from um the Jersey Shore, so but Mike Mike the situation is kind of the heel of the show. He is he tries to he tries to sow discord with amongst everybody living there, but at the same time he makes Sunday dinners to make sure they all have to sit down together and have time together at the same time. <laughs> but he cannot stop like causing trouble, and they want to like him, and eventually it gets to the point where they can't like him. And I've always been intrigued by those characters because you're doing that to yourself, and if you'll do that to yourself, God only knows what you'll do to anybody else. And like I said, it's interesting to me that Teddy Hart is now like going to be the father figure of this group, especially Brian Pillman Jr., who is green as can be and who is influ- who can easily be influenced. Like This is a guy who admits, you all know more about my father than I do, doesn't have a good relationship with his mother, and now is going to be the junior, junior member of a Hart Foundation led by Teddy Hart. So please take advantage of this because that right there is just wide open for good storytelling. <laughs> it's a rich opportunity. Uh, one other thing before Colonel Parker, Battle Riot is coming. We learn mm. a whole lot more names that are going to be on that show. I don't know if they'll all be in the match, but they will be on the show. We know that Rich Swan will be there, Jason Cade, Joey Ryan. So that'll be interesting. PCO, which I'm very excited about, nice. will be on that show. Kevin Sullivan will make an appearance. ACH, Hornswoggle, and uh, John Morrison will be there, Lance NY, Sammy Callahan, Conan will be there, Davey Boyd Jr., mm. and Teddy Hart will be there as well. And we know Teddy Hart and I believe Davey Boyd Jr. versus ACH and Rich Swan will be on the show apart from the Battle Riot itself. So, man, I'm very excited for Battle Riot. I love Rumble-type matches. 
because they allow for so much character interaction, so many unique scenarios to unfold, so many issues to start or continue or finish. Uh, and yeah, I think it's going to be really great. I'm not thrilled about all of these names, but I think there's enough variety going on that I'm going to have a really good time. Yes, yes. And it pays to familiarize yourself with something because I believe on the day of All In, I watched Battle Riot with my brother, my younger brother, before we left. And I don't think I really liked it because I didn't know anybody. So there's a bunch of people I've never seen running out, and, you know. And I'm so curious about what I will feel like now that we've watched this much MLW. I am really pleased. Like, from a year ago to now, you must have met so many <laughs> wrestlers that you let, that would have sounded like imaginary, like made-up people a year ago. Uh, you're in such a different place. And I've really enjoyed taking that journey with you. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you. I will tell you one thing after we do that, at the end of that show because I don't want to spoil it, but okay. I will tell you one All thing right. that I think you will enjoy. But, yeah, it's been a hell of a ride. Even going to All In, I probably didn't know half the roster, much less. I, I, he had to be the one I would think that was suggested watching Battle Riot because – or maybe at the time, you know – Maybe it was Brooklyn, but like somehow we were killing time, and we ended up watching Battle Riot. So, you know, we and we're soon approaching it. Hopefully, it's not like the tag division that was soon to come for a long time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. My my top ten of the tag team division is still uh, completely empty. There's not one <laughs> contender in there. So, if you're gonna have it, get on that, please. Yeah. Some very disturbing uh, footage backstage is Colonel <laughs> Parker. Um, has decided that um, the ring announcer owes her a coffee, owes him a coffee, and he um, strong arms her away for some coffee. And then Lawler and company sneak by, and uh, we'll see where that goes later in the night. <laughs> we may as well mention it now. Yeah. Um, Lawler and Gotch, uh, they pooped in his hat, and yeah. uh, the colonel is not happy about that, as you might expect. So, um. I don't know about like the poop humor. That's not necessarily for me, but uh, I will say I, I might actually like Colonel Parker more here than I ever did in WCW. There, there's something about like the way he is, the way he's delivering some of his stuff. I don't know. It's sort of kind of working for me now after I was kind of dismissive of it earlier on. Yeah, he did a really good job of he was offended, but he, he seemed like he didn't want to. It's hard to convey. Like, was he hurt? Um, did he not want to push it? Like, was, he seemed like he was a mix of emotions. <laughs> he conveyed a lot, yeah. And I really like that um, he, he's definitely old school, and so far as he knows, it's a heel's job to look like the fool a yes. lot of the time. He, he yes. really grasped that well. He's not out trying to be cool, you know, none of this kind of new stuff that sometimes is to the detriment, I think, of what they're trying to do. So I, I appreciate that he's got a great grasp of that. I agree. Um, well done, and, and good on you for making that acknowledgement there. I do have one question, and I don't even know if I want to ask it, but whatever happened to Jimmy Havoc and Tom Lawler having an issue? Because that was yeah. like week three or something. It was a long time ago, I feel like. Yeah, it's been it's been a while, and, it, and it, there's been some references towards it, but I don't know. Are we moving in a different direction now? or? Yeah, I don't know. I assume it'll come back at some point. It's just a little odd. I don't mind stories playing out over a long period. I just don't know what 
Jimmy Havoc is like waiting for, or maybe he's just not around right now. So I don't know. Uh, we'll see, I guess. That is the struggle for companies. And it's also the other side of wrestling in a bunch of companies. I think yeah. there's a possibility you can lose a guy for a long time, you know. I think the key to that, though, is then you just have to be upfront about it. You know, like if, if you're going to do something with it in the future, but not now, just explain why it's not happening right now. You know, like, oh, well, we know he had his confrontation with Jimmy Havoc. Jimmy Havoc overseas at the moment. Uh, but, you know, when yeah. he comes back, I think it's going to, you know, just like keep it in the conversation and let let people know what's going on. I agree. Um, and that's that hasn't been MLW's strong suit. So maybe I'm asking too much. They're, they're not. <sighs> The execution is so flawed in so much of this, and you know it's always they seem earnest and the intention seems good, but man, they they lose it somewhere in the formula. It's hit or miss at best, yeah, because like some things have a lot of attention to detail, and some things seem to really get lost in the shuffle. Yeah, on a good note, we see the return of the Caramel Colossus, Barrington Hughes. He's got a matchup. He says he's always hungry for competition. Uh, Tony Schiavone says there's a lot of material in that singlet. And in the time that it took Tony Schiavone to say that um, the man is showing some quickness as well, he is going to finish the match. Another Uh, win. Another uh, record-setting win for Barrington Hughes. Guess what? If he wants competition, maybe you should give him some more competition. I'm really just waiting for Barrington Hughes to have a real match, and maybe it'll be bad. I mean, that's not why they're doing it, but, man, you can't just do these squashes, and then, you know, we're in week 10, 11, something like yeah. that. So, yeah, come on, you got to do it. I really would like to see him go after Simon Gotch, because why yeah. wouldn't he? Oh, sure, yeah. A, a time to challenge sounds perfect for Barrington Hughes. That's a yeah. great point. So, and then you can extend that out, because what I don't know what happened. If there's outside interference, you know, does that count in the time? Does the match get thrown off? Does he have to find another way to have the encounter? You know, so there's ways to do it, but absolutely, we'll see, and we'll see him again, and <laughs> I will have some things to say when we do. Mm. Um, next up, though, Vandal, Vandal Ortigoon takes on Cotto Brazil. Yep, a match between two guys who I think uh, have not won a match in MLW Fusion. Yes. That means one of them's going to pick up that victory. And guess what? It's the guy who got a promo earlier on the show. <laughs> it is Cota Brazil picking up a win. And I thought oh, the match was a you know, fine match. Nothing wrong with it. Uh, I don't know if Ortigoon is a guy you're going to be able to necessarily put on a great match with. But I think Cota Brazil has some potential. I'm glad to see him pick up the win here. I want to see more from this guy. Yeah, I agree. I also think this is poorly booked in a way because it is almost still like Cota Brazil is the underdog to win a match. But, like, in my mind, he was coming out to make a statement. Right. So when the match kept going and kept going, it's almost like he finally got his victory, and I was more unimpressed there because <laughs> he didn't make a statement. And I felt like this was supposed to be a statement match going into it. Yeah, it's um, it's a little weird because both of them have sort of been, like, jobbers to the stars so far. So you think, like, if there's a real push for Brazil, he would either beat someone with a little more of a name or you yeah. beat a guy like this really easily, and it kind right. of didn't quite do either one. No offense to um, the former Jonathan Ortigoon of NXT, I think, but um, maybe I made I that up. That, uh, so but the man, <laughs> the man's currently a jobber in MLW, so yeah, you barely beat a jobber in a really long match as your like statement match. So right, I didn't understand that, but again, it's a Kodo win, which is better than a Kodo loss for Kodo. So we will see where that goes now. Yep. Very much so. So the the stories uh, continue to move on, and I'm good with that. 
Yeah, Selena is being interviewed. She says, um, this is just terrible. Who hired you? You will not be getting paid for this. Um, not very nice. Not very kind. Um, is this also where we see Shane Strickland in the back with um, with my man, um, Caramel Colossus? Uh, that's kind of part of the next thing. So okay. uh, I'll just say, yeah, Selena De La Renta, um, maybe not perfect, but so far what I really like about her, and I like a lot of things about her, one of the things I really like is how cruel she is to anyone yes. who has, like, the misfortune of having to talk to her. She she is very consistently uh, cruel to these people, and it adds to her character a lot. Yeah, there's not enough of that. It's very uncomfortable, and it's a way, I think, that in a good way, a lot of us in the world that we live in is like, I don't want to feel like that, and I don't want to be around people that make me feel like that. Mm-hmm. So why the hell not have a wrestling character who makes you feel like that? Yeah, and, and it's it's different insofar as she's not really trying to, like, clown these people. You know, she's not making jokes about them. She's just straight out saying, like, why are you so awful at everything yeah. you do? You know, it's very direct. It's very offensive to them, and uh, I like it. I'm, I'm about it. It's very, yeah, it carries a level of disgust in it. Mm-hmm, yep. You know, so she is behind this thing. She's the reason Brody King is in MLW. As he is going after that bounty against Shane Strickland in the main event. Absolutely so. And uh, I gotta ask you, we've talked a lot about PCO, but what do you think of Brody King here? Because he does get to exist apart from PCO, (laughs) and he's a little overshadowed in the tag team, I think. But I want to know what you think of this guy. I want to be impressed with Brody King. I like his look. I haven't connected really with what exactly his style is as far as a wrestler. Hmm. So uh, that that I'm still kind of – and I was a little thrown off, so I don't know how much – I need to see him more because part of this was to me was, is he here to co- collect the bounty? Or are they having a wrestling match? Mm. So, like, even the, the match itself did not fully make sense to me. Fair enough. Um, before we get into that further, uh, I, I did want to touch on what you mentioned. Uh, we see Shane Strickland and uh, Barrington Hughes together. They're heading to the ring together. Two guys who I believe are Sammy Callahan's goons. Mm. Uh, we overhear them deciding that they want to split the bounty. They want to take out Shane Strickland before the match. And Barrington Hughes, that brave, wonderful, Lexington man that he is, takes the bullet for his partner, goes to fight these two guys by himself. Shane Strickland runs off to the ring <laughs> because he is he is definitely the sting of this relationship. Yeah. All too easily convinced to go away while it's very he fights two men. Uh, and I really, all through the match, Tony Schiavone is, like, really worried about Barrington Hughes. He's talking about him. Shane Strickland, he sure doesn't look worried. He doesn't no. look like he's too concerned. So, so I don't know what to make of that. That's been consistent to Shane Strickland's character here yep. the whole time. So, yep. it's not new. Um I think the most I enjoyed Brody King was when he beat up um, Shane Strickland in the in the field and parking lot. <laughs> that was good. That was very good. Because I have on this page, point. honest question, what is Shane Strickland's persona? If there was no Who's House line, what would you say his persona is? Yeah. You're asking me? Because I don't know. No, I, just <laughs> I don't that, know. I, I don't know either. <laughs> so nice I've, I've, I've spoken many times about I'm a man who will – sleepwalk his way through a parking lot right after someone puts a bounty yeah. on his head. I don't know what his deal is. So, yeah. Tell me what you like about uh, Mr. Mr. Brody, Brody King. King. I like that he's a big man in a time when you don't get a lot of big men. And I like that 
I feel like he works like a big man. I, I like uh, the brawling that he does. I like the way he lays in his shots. I like his look a lot, like you said. Um, I think he, he understands well kind of how to be who he is and how to play to his strengths because uh, in addition to being big, he's also a pretty agile guy, and he can yes. do that stuff sometimes. But he doesn't do it to excess either. Um, I agree with that. So I think, yeah, he's got a lot of the right tools. Uh, he's impressed me for the first time I've seen him. I'm glad he's here, and to be honest, I think this is probably the best Shane Strickland match that we've seen, and I think a lot of that was because Brody King was kind of driving the match to be something more than kind of like a generic Shane Strickland kind of thing, because yes, I agree, it wasn't always clear, like, are you just trying to win a match, you're trying to injure him, you know, what's your goal? I'm not sure, I'm not sure MLW was sure, so I don't know if I put that on Brody King, but still, just the way... He went after Shane Strickland. Uh, it really worked for me, and uh, I appreciate Brody King for stuff like that. Okay. It's not necessarily a knock on him, but I do see sure. it in my notes. For the first time in MLW, like I looked at how much time was allotted to the match, and I did skip part of the match. So. Oh, no. Oh, all right. So maybe okay. I didn't see some of the, you know. But I just can't. Like Shane Strickland, it's time for him to lose the belt. Well, that's definitely true. I'm, I am I am exhausted. Sting was at least like to me. Sting could put on a good match if you put him with the right people. His promos were very lightweight, but Shane Strickland, like you, you got to, you got to make me think you care at some point, or I, I don't know what to do with your babyface world champion. Mm. You got Barrington Hughes fighting your battles for you. You've had the company fight your battles for you. You tried to escape matches that you were assigned to wrestle, and then we were told that you've been looking forward to the. You know, come on, man. Come on, man. <laughs> yeah, a lot of a lot of things were told about Shane Strickland that don't necessarily jive with what we see. So, I don't know what Brody's gonna do next, but it looks like we are moving to low key. Yep, yep. Uh, Strickland does get the victory here. Um, and again, I actually thought was actually a good match. So maybe being a little underrated um but i definitely like if you're not invested in the character it's hard to get into the match sometimes yeah so. that's true um after the match loki does show up and assassinates shane strickland he takes him out lays him out selena de la renta comes out as well loki picks up the championship to the unbelievable offense of the commentary team they can't believe loki would do such a thing, <laughs> and uh, I'm going to say, like, have you met this guy? Like, he was suspended when we started. He's not a nice guy. Really shouldn't be so shocked that he would do something like this. Yeah, but I was shocked he didn't do it the week before when they were together. Right, right, exactly. And Barry Hughes would have came out to help, but, you know, <laughs> you fed him to everyone else in the locker room. Yeah, yep. So we get Shane Strickland retaining uh, well, I don't think the belt was on the line anyway, but retaining his his himself, I guess. But he has been betrayed, and it looks like um, Black Friday management is targeting him. Low key, got a lot to prove to me. He is, I know, a central character in MLW. Hopefully, he can stand up and be uh, in the role he's in. Shane Strickland. Anytime you want to show up, man, I am more than happy to see it. <laughs> So MLW show that again, I enjoyed watching it, but I also had a lot of questions about some of the execution. Uh, yeah, as has been kind of typical for MLW, but as is also typical for MLW, I can't wait to watch the next episode. Like I'm still 
invested week over week in everything that they're doing, so they must be doing something right. Yeah, and more power to them, you know, for what they do. It's been fun hearing the Legacy Series calling them, and we will continue to do that, usually on the back end. <laughs> yeah, very much on the back end, I think, uh, but uh, not as a slight just in a, it's a little less immediate than some of the other stuff that we're dealing right. with. But yeah, no, I'm, I can't wait to keep going with it. Like I said, I'm excited for Shane Strickland to lose that title. Uh, I can't wait to reshuffle the top 10 with this week's results. Yes. I think, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun stuff coming up. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. All right. Great. Anything else we want to talk about? We're actually a few minutes under our three hour mark this time. <laughs> That's all for me. You know, we cover a lot of ground. We did MLW, NWA, uh, some CMLL, some, you know, Ring of Honor, some AEW. Big show. Big show. Uh, almost global revolution-like in our uh, travels all over the place. <laughs> um, so cool. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Hope you'll check out the other great programs on LP Radio. Got a lot of great ones up there. Check it out. Also, uh lordsofpain.net, lopforums.com for a lot of great written material. Come join the conversation. If you ever want to shout us out, I am on Twitter. I am at SpectralGent. Give me a shout. Give me a follow. Let me know what you uh, think about the show, anything you want us to talk about. Really appreciate you guys listening out there. So uh, thank you again. We'll be back next week with more AEW, more MLW, more great wrestling for all of you. Absolutely. Until next time, don't let the legacy be dictated to you. Rewatch, revisit, rewrite. I saw an undiscovered creature climbing on the mountainside. You know that no one else believed me. About that, with green eyes and white stripes and salted tears, I knew that these were just its cautionary features. Keep telling myself nothing to fear. It's just an undiscovered creature coming up to meet you. He's the one that's scared. It's just an undiscovered creature. Coming up to meet ya, he's the one that's scared, the undiscovered creature, the undiscovered creature. I never saw this one in books or heard a myth of it, looks like it came from underwater. I thought I'd seen every life form. But there it is, an undiscovered creature Coming up to meet ya, he's the one that's scared It's just an undiscovered creature Coming up to meet ya, he's the one that's scared The undiscovered creature stripes and salted tears I knew that these were just its cautionary features keep telling myself 
nothing to fear It's just an undiscovered creature Coming up to meet ya He's the one that's scared It's just an undiscovered creature Coming up to meet ya He's the one that's scared The undiscovered creature